Hey, hello, Nick DiGilio on 720 WGN. We're live in the Skyline studio here until 4 a.m. as we are every uh, weeknight into the weekday morning, uh, 11 p.m. to 4 a.m. 312-981-7200 is the phone number. Uh, Coming up after uh, midnight, Caroline Corey is going to join me. She's an award-winning filmmaker and a futurist and an author. Her latest uh, movie is called Superhuman, The Invisible Made Visible. Uh, And she studies uh, consciousness and energy medicine, uh, and she's had uh, several extrasensory uh, power uh, uh, experiences and uh, and helps people to uh, control those things. And uh, she's uh, she's written books, and she's uh, made movies about it. And her latest, again, is Superhuman, The Invisible Made Visible. And we'll talk about the extrasensory world right here. Um, also, well, we've got uh, some classic Johnny Carson, Johnny Carson show you can watch on uh, Antenna TV every night, and uh, we always play back some comedy, and whether it be some stand-up or a sketch or an interview. Um, Gary Shandling from 1983, one of the funniest men that has ever walked the planet, uh, will be doing some stand-up vintage Gary Shandling from 1983. Uh, it, it will soon be a Wednesday morning, and uh, every Wednesday morning at 3.30, we play a round of Know Your Onion, and that's where we get a couple of uh, callers to call in. They each uh, take, a, take a round, and uh, Tom will throw some uh, news headlines at them, and uh, they have to figure out whether or not they are real or from the satirical newspaper, The Onion, because the news is weird, man, and sometimes it's hard to figure out whether it's real or from The Onion. And that's coming up. We're going to talk about robots that have come for White Castle, stupid legal defenses from the past, uh, some inventions that were ahead of their time, and more. Our phone number is 312-981-7200. We would love to hear from you. Uh, You're always welcome to call. Please do. 312-981-7200. And uh, there you go. I would like to welcome uh, to the show right now my first guest, Kevin Perjurer um, uh, runs a YouTube uh, channel called Defunct Land, and it's a YouTube series that discusses the history of extinct theme parks and theme entertainment experiences. There's a podcast, there's a VR project, and spinoffs as well. Um, this is really cool stuff. Um, I, I, I love talking about uh, old uh, theme parks and, uh, and things like that. And so uh, let's say hello to Kevin. Hi, Kevin. Hi, thanks for having me. Oh, my pleasure, my pleasure. I love this idea. I really do. How did it come to you? Um, yeah, so I've always been interested in, in theme parks, uh, you know, specifically the Disney parks and the Universal parks uh, that are in Orlando, as well as in California. I grew up in Kansas City, um, so I didn't get to go to those very often. Um, so I kind of learned to live vicariously through uh, guidebooks and eventually the internet and forums and kind of gathered research over many years just out of my own curiosity. And every once in a while I would get to go and I would notice that I missed the opportunity to ride rides or things were gone by the time I got there. Yeah. And so, uh, so I, that's how it, I started to get interested in, in defunct, uh, parks and defunct rides and just started researching. And I've always had a background in, uh, documentary filmmaking. And so I just kind of combined the two and uh, put it on YouTube, and that's, that's cool. That's how it started. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I I think it's awesome too to go back. I love looking at the at the you know old videos or old pictures of theme parks that aren't around anymore. Um, 
and we have a we have a uh, we had a legendary theme park here in the city of Chicago. Uh, Kevin, I don't know if you in your research you've uh, ever uh, uh, looked at Riverview. I, I have not, but I've that's been suggested many, many times. Yeah, it was. It may, you know, I mean, I can't tell you the stories that I've heard about it. I was, I, I, uh, I, I was, I was too young to have ever uh, gone there. Um, it closed down. I think it closed down a couple, couple of years after I was born. Um, and but my parents and so many other people tell so many legendary stories about how great Riverview was. And if you if you look it up. Kevin online so many wonderful visuals and stuff like that I think you'd have a great time looking at Riverview yeah it's uh I mean Chicago has a a a very rich theme park history amusement park history I should say uh which is uh kind of unsurprising on this most recent season of the funk land it's uh the season all tells one long story of kind of the the history of Walt Disney and the future and Epcot and kind of all those kind of uh Tomorrowland type parks but it starts with the world's fairs and of course oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. 1893 columbian exposition as well as the 1933 century of progress both in chicago yeah i did episodes on that so uh not necessarily amusement parks but definitely some uh you know that's where the first ferris wheel was yeah. a lot of a lot of great history right there there's no question about it uh, how long has defunct land been around kevin uh since february of 2017 oh wow okay that's great so not not super long but We've been around for a few years. Yeah, no, that's good. That's that, that that's good. Um, so, and people can access this just up on the YouTube channel, like YouTube dot com slash Defunctland. Yep, right there. You got it. That's uh, go. they can, they can go there and every everywhere you can go to Defunctland dot com as well. But yeah, that that'll take you where you need to be. And most of the stuff is on the YouTube channel. We do long history videos on on uh, theme parks, theme park rides. Defun- entire parks that are defunct. Um, we also do old TV shows. Um, we just did a, a, a few episodes on old Disney Channel, and we also do some old Nickelodeon. So we try to go. We try to get something for everybody because yeah. we know a lot of this stuff is for people when they were younger. And so we try to you know do something from the eighties and then something from the seventies and you know jump back and forth. So there's probably something on there that you uh, recognize, even if it you can only remember it in like fever dream state. <laughs> You know, uh, you know the, the the state that we're in right now with the pandemic and and people kind of feeling anxiety. Uh, Nostalgia is a great thing. You know what I mean? It it makes us mm-hmm. feel it makes us feel comfortable, and this is the kind of thing that I think people would really embrace and, and really like, especially at this time. You know? Yeah, I, I, especially with the theme. Par- I mean, theme parks are opening back up. Yeah, uh, many people are not going to be going. Uh, obviously. Yeah. And so, you know, you you get to live vicariously, which is one of the reasons, as I mentioned earlier, that I started the channel is uh, not only is it, you know, things I remembered, but just uh, being able to kind of visit these spaces because theme parks are such a fascinating medium of art. Oh, yeah. These are are some of the best artists that have ever lived. Yeah. You never heard of them because, you know, we we all go to the movie theater and we know Spielberg is and we know uh, filmmakers and even some uh, artists and, of course, musicians, but like these imagineers or these theme park designers they're uh they're just as cool they have great stories yeah and uh we just don't always get to focus on them because it's so centralized in orlando and whatnot yeah okay well we're going to talk a lot more about this kevin perjurer is with us uh defunct land is the uh website kevin uh hang on youtube.com slash defunct land or defunct uh and uh if you if you remember some old theme 
theme parks and you want to jump in, it's 312-981-7200. Not necessarily in this area, but all over the place. 312-981-7200. Another month, you are on my mind. Hello, Nick DeGilio here on 720 WGN, and we are live in the Skyline studio here until 4 o'clock. Uh, Kevin Perger is my guest right now. Uh, he runs a website called defunctland.com and a YouTube channel, youtube.com slash defunctland, and it is a YouTube series uh, about the history of extinct, uh, extinct theme parks and themed entertainment experiences. There's a podcast, there's a VR project, and there's spinoffs as well. Uh, hello, Kevin. Hi. Ah, you said that you were from Kansas City. What was your theme park? What was the big theme park in Kansas City? That would have been Worlds of Fun, um, and that's uh, that's the one there in Kansas City that I uh, that I remember and I remember growing up to. It was not uh, not nearly as well themed as say Disney World, but it was it was there, so I went a lot. Yeah. What were some of your favorite things there? Oh well, the the thing that I I did I, got, I actually got to do an episode on because it's no longer there is the Orient Express, which was a roller coaster uh, that had interlocking loops, so it was like two loop de loops, but they were connected, so very cool. And they uh, they tore it down and built something else uh, uh, about oh my gosh, almost twenty years ago. Mm. But yeah, so that's uh, that was the one that I usually I miss the most, I should say. Yeah, worlds of fun. What's there now? Is it is it still there? Do they still have a, a theme park there? Yeah, so it's still Worlds of Fun. Uh, it's that specific ride was replaced by a smaller ride, um, which happens a lot. Obviously, that's uh, with theme parks. There's only so much space. But yeah, you know, I, I went to Worlds of Fun just the other year. I mean, still, still a great time. Wish my favorite coaster was still there, but that's why that's what I have the YouTube channel for. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Uh 312-981-7200 is the uh is the phone number for the and that's the Team Hockberg phone line. Um so uh yeah, Worlds of Fun. I love some of the names of what do you have favorite names of theme parks? Oh man. Uh there's so <laughs> many. Well the the funny thing is with theme parks the whole naming naming history is interesting. Uh it, when it started out it was so there was only three names for theme parks. It was either Kittyland a Luna Park or Electric Park. Um, sometimes it was Coney Island. I believe Chicago had a Coney Island, a Luna Park, and a Kitty Land. We had time, two. We, least... we had two Kitty Lands. Oh, okay. There yeah. you go. Yeah. yeah, we did. We had two yeah. Kitty Lands. Yeah, because because that that was just synonymous with theme park, you know, who, or amusement park, I should say. Who would yeah. think to name name it beyond that? That's ridiculous. And yeah. then, of course, Disneyland, <laughs> and then everybody's doing it. Yeah. Um, but man, I think. Uh, there's some odd ones. I mean, of course, Epcot is we're all used to it, but Experimental Prototype Community of Tomorrow. That's that's a that's an odd one. Oh, I, you know, I, for, I forgot what that. I, I forgot that's what it stood for. I, I totally yeah. forgot that's what it stood. What, what is it again? It's Experimental Prototype Community of Tomorrow because it came from Walt Disney's original idea for a city in Florida, and then they turned it into a theme park after he died, and they decided that they probably shouldn't run a city. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, so stuff like that. Disney's California Adventure, a, a theme park uh, theme to California. Yeah, that's just in California. Uh, stuff like that. There's a there's a lot of interesting interesting ones. Uh, I just did an episode on Freedom Land, 
which was a Disneyland-style park all about U.S. history. It was in the Bronx for four years, five years. Um, yeah, lots of lots Free, of interesting Freedom parks. Land, Freedom Land in the Bronx. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it was one of Walt. I mean, the story is is fascinating. Uh, just quickly, it's one of Walt Disney's designers made Disneyland. And they had a falling out, and he went off to make his own theme parks. And there was a huge amount of swampland in the Bronx uh, that they just used and built an 80-acre park, much bigger than Disney, or I think it was uh, maybe 25% bigger than Disneyland. Jeez. And uh, it was a huge. And then now it's where Co-op City is, which is this giant housing complex. But for five years, it was a theme park based on U.S. history. <laughs> Freedom Free- Land, Freedom USA. Land. How, did, uh, how did Walt Disney react to that? Uh, not well. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, really. He didn't, he didn't like that. There's no documentation on his thoughts on Freedom Land, but the guy himself uh, actually went on to start calling himself the master builder of Disneyland, and that's how he got all these other theme oh, parks man. around the country built. Oh. And uh, and then you know Walt stepped in and sued him and said, "You can't say that because I'm Disneyland. I yeah. built Disneyland." Yeah. Um, and then that guy went on to build uh, a park called Six Flags over Texas in Arlington, and that's what started Six Flags. Is so that right? That's how, that's how yeah. Six Flags. Why? Wow, that's wow. Yeah. So he was the main designer for the first Six Flags park that was uh, built by a I think it was a tycoon in Texas that wanted it built, but he brought him on as a designer. And that's what's so fun about this history is everybody overlaps. It's a very small industry. Yeah, Every yeah. industry says we're a very small industry, but this industry is very small. Oh. Um, so it's lots of overlap, lots of like, oh, you know, this guy did this and this and this. And so it's a lot of fun to kind of track and see how people jump from park to park. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. How many Six Flags are there in America? Oh my gosh, I I couldn't tell you. There's uh, the there's only been three Six Flags parks that were built to be Six Flags parks, uh, and that is Six Flags over Texas, Six Flags over St. Louis, which I maybe called Six, maybe it's still Six Flags over St. Louis, and then Six Flags over Georgia, right? Or Six Flags Atlanta. Yeah. Those three were built to be Six Flags parks. All the other ones were just parks that some person built and then they were bought by the six flags company yeah the, and so in the in yeah the one in gurney uh just outside of chicago here used to be when it opened up when that theme park opened up it was called marriott's great america right yes and yes. and then it became six flags great america mm-hmm. yeah yeah it's uh and that, that's how they did it and through the 80s and 90s they started accumulating a large amount of parks. So they weren't just buying amusement parks. They were buying water parks and, and they were buying malls, uh, like little malls of uh, theme park malls and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And so eventually they had this big, like, you know, bankruptcy scare and they had to sell a bunch of them off and a bunch of them closed. But for a while there, I don't know what number they got up to. It was a lot. Yeah, <laughs> they I owned bet. a lot of yeah. theme parks. Yeah. Uh, here's Patrick on WGN. Go ahead, Patrick. Hey, Nick. Uh, I didn't know if you knew this, but I just looked up on YouTube. They got over a dozen videos of the River uh, Riverview, uh, old videos. Uh, one of them, in particular, it's uh, it says Riverview is remembered by WGN, about three four four minutes long. Is it WGN Radio? Yeah. Oh uh, well, no way. You know what? Uh, I'm, TV. WGN News. No, so it's WGN. I, okay, yeah, it's probably TV. But that's cool. That's uh, our that's our sister station right there. Those are and, our buddies. Uh, that, the one, the one I remember when I was a kid growing up uh, was uh, was it uh, Santa Santa's Village? Santa's Village, yeah, Santa's Village, yeah. And I, I had a particular experience uh, with my brother on uh, Salt and Pepper Mission. Uh, 
and uh, it's, a, it's like an oval cage. You get inside of it, the guy closes it up on you, and you can, it's like a Ferris wheel. You go around, and then the, the cage itself spins around. Yep, I, 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 I vividly remember that ride, Patrick. <laughs> except, except for mine at the time, and I wasn't supposed to do it. Uh, I don't know if the guy didn't close the gate or if it was uh, hard enough or whatever, but it seemed like it, what it did is it jammed. So oh. when we got up to the top, we were upside down. The thing didn't spin, so we, every time we got to the top, we were stuck upside oh, down. Oh, God. And forget about trying, you know, screaming our head off. The guy probably just thinks, you know, you're getting... You're having right. fun. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Patrick, thanks for the call, buddy. Yep, you got it. Take care. Take care. You ever uh, in in your research have you talked to people who got stuck on rides or uh, have have stories in, in in that in that kind of a uh, vein? Oh, it's, yeah, too many to count. Yeah, I um, bet, man. <laughs> yeah, especially with those older rides. I mean, you know, it's it's funny. The uh, it's funny that it mentioned Santa's Santa's Village. I yeah. did an episode on all the Santa parks. Oh, that you was did. Another, okay. Yeah, so I tried to track, and I'm sure I missed a few, but there are. Dozens of Santa parks, and you would never <laughs> think it, but it's just Santa-themed theme parks. Um, but yeah, early in the in the days of that engineering, it's it wasn't like oh, you know, I'm a roller coaster engineer. It was, you know, I'm a guy that tinkers in his garage, and now I own an amusement park. So let's see what happens. And not not even an engineering degree, just going in blind, and then they you know, and then they make something amazing, and then somebody else makes it safe. <laughs> Uh, that's hilarious that is hilarious um i've never i've i've never luckily i've never been stuck on a ride or had like an issue um with you know with a with a ride but i'd be terrified especially on a giant well now i'm uh, for some reason now kevin as i've gotten older i'm afraid of heights but i used to be a roller coaster junkie when i was a kid Mm. Uh, but as i've gotten older i don't know i you know i couldn't do it but i can't imagine you know uh people being stuck Right at the top of the first hill of a roller coaster, and have to be have to walk down. You know, have to have the people come out and then walk right. down. It's terrifying. Yeah, I've I've never had to do that. I never want to do that. I've yeah. I've been evac'd uh, from dark rides, so just like Splash Mountain or any of those kind of rides, where it's just all you have to do is you step up and you have to walk around the show scenes. But never something where I'm like 200 feet in the air and oh. I have to walk down. I, I would never do that. I'd say, just start the ride. I'll, I'll take my chance. Yeah, no, no, no yeah. exactly. I agree. Okay, Kevin, hang on, my man. <laughs> Kevin Perjurer is with us. Defunctland.com is the website. It's a YouTube series about the history of extinct theme parks and themed entertainment experiences. 312-981-7200 if you want to uh, remember some of the theme parks that you've gone to, not just necessarily in the Chicago area, but all over the place. Uh, and we'll talk more well, with Kevin about Defunct Land here on 720 WGN. Nick DeGilio on 720 WGN, live in the Skyline studio. Coming up after midnight, uh, Caroline Corey is going to join me. She's an award-winning filmmaker, a futurist, and an author, and her new movie is called Superhuman, The Invisible Made Visible. And she's had numerous ESP experiences, and uh, she's written about it and been making movies uh, on the topics as well. 312-981-7200 is the phone number. Kevin Perjurer is with us. 
Uh, defunctland.com is the website, and it's a YouTube series that discusses the history of extinct theme parks and themed entertainment experiences. Uh, hello, Kevin. Hey, how's um, it going? Yeah, good. You're, so the videos are, like, unbelievably researched. How long does it take uh, uh, to do one of the episodes, and what goes into it, and how, how do they become? Oh man, uh, it takes a it takes a bit of time. Um, I would say that some of the episodes that I release take about a year. Wow! Um, just of from the point where I say I'm going to do an episode on this to the point that I'm done. You know, the Freedom Land, for example, one of my most recent episodes uh, that took I had to read four or five books on that park. Wow! Um, and so, or on things related to that park, and right. so a lot of it is digging through newspaper archives. A lot of it is looking at old interviews, trying to read as many books as possible to try to get the full story of the park. Because what's available just from a Google search is typically someone recalling it. And that's not really what you want when you're trying to research something. But uh, so And so this is being done simultaneously, which yeah. works really well. So you know, I'll be working on you know, five or ten episodes at a certain time or in different levels of research. And because all of this is so connected... I'll be like, oh, I'm researching this park, and then, oh, well, I just found something that'll work for this. And then, you know, it just kind of builds and builds to the point where I, I can trust myself to know enough of the just general history to kind of place the stories, and then from there, do the specific research. So, yeah, you know, from the conception to, uh, to the realization, sometimes it could take up to a year, but other times I'll just try to knock one out in a month or two. Yeah. Wow, but that's still a lot of time, man. That's the, you, <laughs> yeah. you're, you're really dedicated to this. There's no question about it, man. Yeah, I, I I love the topics, and you know I love I love pop culture history, and this is just one that I don't think has been explored enough, um, and I'm I'm happy to be one of the people exploring it. There you go, defunctland.com. Uh, we've got uh, some people calling in. Here's Donna on WGN. Go ahead, Donna. Hi, Nick. I remember getting into the the park uh, Riverview by saving up my Hostess bread wrappers. If I saved up ten. What? I got free admission and free tickets for ten rides. That way, you so it was just Hostess bread wrappers that you free, so for like a loaf of bread. Yeah. Oh yeah. You save up ten of those, and you can get into Riverview for free. Yeah, it was wonderful. Wow, that's a great memory. That's a great. And memory. Uh, yeah, then you got a chance to go on in, into the Aladdin's castle, or uh, they never did the mouse. But uh, uh, the the Greyhound, the Bobs, uh, the Comet, which were the the roller coasters. Yeah. And they never did the Fireball. That was the one that uh, somebody lost their head over when they stood up. Oh God. Um, Riverview always had a hint of uh, danger. Yeah, that's what I've heard. A little bit dirty, and yep. And there was always a little bit of something that you. Didn't catch out of the side of your eye. <laughs> right. Walt Disney was always very squeaky clean. Right, right. But not Riverview. It was the heart of the city, and it, it sort of exemplified li- what living in Chicago was 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 about. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the fact that they, you know, every time you know you, you go down Western Avenue and you look over there, like where Devry is and everything, and you're like, that used to be that used to be that used to be an amusement park, and I, it's and just. The first yeah, that my mom rode that pr- while pregnant with me. Mm. <laughs> that might explain. It might explain something. <laughs> All right, Donna. Thank you so much. Thank you, Nick. Yeah. Bye bye.
Yeah, my mom rode the big parachute ride at uh, Riverview when she was pre- pregnant with me. <laughs> I love those parachute rides. That's uh, that's that's amazing. Those, yeah. the, the the parachute drops. Yeah. Another another thing that's just one of those. Who made that? <laughs> uh, exactly. Exactly. Do yeah. you have a favorite theme park that you covered, Kevin? Oh man, favorite theme park. Uh, that's a hard question. Well, I mean, obviously, uh, obviously, Worlds of Fun means a lot to you because that's where you. Right, Worlds of Fun, but that, I don't know if that one was my favorite to find out about. You know, I, I usually just say, "Well, the most recent episode that I did is my favorite." Um, but uh, I think there's been so many throughout the country. I think the one that people like for my channel the most, the one one of the most viewed one, is Action Park. Oh, in, sure. Was which was in Vernon, New Jersey, which yeah, was yeah. the which is now very well covered. I think there's a book, there's going to be a TV show, there's a documentary, there's everything on this park. Um, but yeah, it was a water park and they, was and, not and they, safe. Yeah, no, and I mean, and, and then they made like a fictional movie about it with Johnny Knoxville. Right, yeah, yeah, Johnny Knoxville made a Action Point. <laughs> action Point, yeah. very subtle. <laughs> <laughs> so. All right, uh, let's see, here's Annette on WGN. Hi, Annette. Hi, how are you, Nick? All right, what's up? <laughs> Um, the one I remember the most, well, besides Keyland, because I grew up in Melrose Park, but uh, was Adventureland, which was out in Addison. Oh, yeah, Adventureland. Yeah, yeah. and I my, had a funny thing happen when I was about five, six years old. My mom told my oldest sister, go get in line for the storybook train. Well, she got in line for, they had a scary train where when they went in a tunnel, they closed both doors and a bunch of creatures came out towards the train. So as a five, six-year-old, I got scared. Oh, I bet. <laughs> I bet. So, but then we always remember that because they had the, uh, there was a huge uh, statue of an Indian, and I think the other statue was a cowboy out in front yeah. of Adventureland. Yeah. Adventureland. I totally remember Adventureland. Uh, Annette, thank you so much for the memories, okay? Okay, have a good Take night. Care. By the way, Adventureland, great movie. With uh, <laughs> I love that movie. With uh, what, what, Why am I blanking on his name? Uh, Jesse Eisenberg and uh, Kristen Stewart. I love that movie. Uh, here's James on WGN. Hi, James. Uh, hi. Okay, Knoxbury Farm in Anaheim. Oh yeah, Knoxbury Farm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, be- had best chicken. Okay, okay. Remember that even before the ride. Yeah, Knoxbury Farm. Knoxbury Farm. You've, you've, I'm sure you've, uh, you've covered that one, right, Kevin? Uh, well, I talk about it a lot just because of yeah, it's a great park, and there's uh, so many. I, I, I still go today. I love it. Yeah. It's a it's a it's a pretty legendary place, Knoxbury Farm. Uh, um, yeah. All right, James. Thanks for the call. Here's Big Ed. Go ahead, Ed. Hey, Nick. How you doing? Good. good. Go ahead. All right. For you and your guests, there's a park, a defunct park outside of Pittsburgh. It was called Westview, and one thing they had like a uh, ski lift type of thing where you could get on cars and it would take you all the way across the park. But I think it's on YouTube. You can find the Rolling Stones played there. Okay. <laughs> all right. All right, Big Ed, thanks yeah. for the call, buddy. All right. Rolling Stones played there. Westview. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so the the why do people love theme parks so much? Do you have have you ever you just just thought about that? What people are are really connected to it? I know it's an, an, a nostalgic thing as well, right? 
Oh, yeah. I mean, it's a lot of things of why. I mean, uh, partly it's because a lot of people visit them as kids, and a lot of them are uh, made for kids yeah. in a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it's also this thing of it's just a new type of entertainment. It's it's getting better and better. It's getting more immersive. It's getting cooler. It's getting more adult. And it, that that track has been happening since the 80s. So, you know, if you look at theme park history, the, the biggest kind of mental shift in how people thought about theme parks from this very, ah, oh, Walt Disney nostalgic thing was when Star Tours came out. Um, which is the Star Wars ride at Disneyland. And then after that, you have Universal Studios, which is, of course, a little bit more adult as well. Yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, it's it it appeals to a lot of things. It's escapism. It's fun. It can be inspiring um, with certain parks that want to try to tell you something or teach you a lesson. And it's just, you're just immersed. Yeah. Uh, and I think, I think that uh, it's something like that is becoming even more crucial. And there are plenty of cell phones at these parks, but the... Uh, but at least you're surrounded versus some of the other things. You know, we watch everything so passively now. I think people really like to be immersed yeah. nowadays. Yeah. And it's also a lot of fun because, you know, so many people have favorite movies. And now, these, you know, some of your favorite movies, you can ride. There are, there are, there are theme rides now that you, can, that you can go to. What are some of the best movie-themed rides? Oh, man, it's, it's funny because some of the best movie-themed rides are movies that I would not say are the best movies. Okay. Uh, <laughs> like, a, like Waterworld. If you remember that Waterworld movie. Oh, I do. Was, I, I got to tell you something, Kevin. I love that movie, actually. <laughs> well, a lot of people love it, but it, it didn't do well. No, it did. It, it, bom- it bombed. No, it was, a, it was a major bomb. They lost a ton of they money. They have a that, really yeah. fun uh, water show at Universal Studios. Um, this is really fun stunt show. But as far as, like, movies that are like, wow, like, that's, you know, some Avatar uh Disney has a new Avatar section. They they opened a few years ago, and there's a ride there where you get the ride on the back of a banshee, and it's it's just very groundbreaking. You you feel like you're in the movie, and of course the new Star Wars stuff and the new Harry Potter stuff. There's this new trend of it's not just a ride based on a movie or a show based on a movie. It's we're going to make a whole land based on a movie, yeah. and you're going to get to see Hogwarts Castle. You're going to get to see the Millennium Falcon like right there in front of you. We're going to build the whole thing. So yeah, it's a very I, I, fascinating. Period. I, uh, I, you know, I've I've not been there, but I've seen video and I've seen pictures of the of the Hogwarts thing, and it's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. It's unbelievable. It is. Yeah. It's it, the one in Orlando is incredible because I mean, just even down to you can see Hogwarts Castle, you get to turn around, you get to see Hogsmeade, you get to get on the train that takes you to the other park to Diagon Alley. If you're a Harry Potter fan, it's it's mind blowing. Yeah. It's just it, it's so much and it's because it's a money maker for them and so they just keep adding on to it and eventually they're just going to have eventually all of orlando will just be actual harry potter <laughs> if, if, if it keeps going in this yeah. direction do they sell butterbeer there yes and it's so good Is my gosh <laughs> you could look up some recipes online but you're never going to get it perfect yeah but uh it it's so good yeah <laughs> I, it's, that's one of my favorite theme park foods and that's a whole nother uh, realm oh what? well we'll talk about that hold on kevin okay Sure. All right. Uh, Kevin Perger is with us. Uh, defunctland.com, youtube.com slash defunctland. It's a YouTube series uh, with the history of extinct theme parks and uh, and more. And if you want to join us, it's 312-981-7200 here on 720 WGN.
Hello. Nick DiGiulio here on 720 WGN. Uh, we're going to talk about inventions that are were ahead of its time, stupid legal defenses. Um, uh, the robots have come uh, for White Castle. <laughs> and Caroline Corey is going to join me. She's a filmmaker, a futurist, and an author whose new movie is Superhuman, The Invisible Made Visible, and she's had many ESP experiences, and we'll talk about that. Kevin Perger is with us right now, and the news is next from the Northwestern uh, Medicine Newsroom. Uh, so Kevin Perger is with us. Uh, he has a website called Defunctland, defunctland.com, and it's uh, dedicated to a history of extinct theme parks and themed entertainment experiences. Uh, Kevin, we uh, before the break, we, I mentioned butterbeer and how much you love it. What, what are some of the theme park, classic theme park foods? Uh, well, classics are going to be, if you're talking Disney, you're going to think Dole Whip, um, which is the pineapple ice cream, churros, mm. of course. Yeah, of um, course, yeah. The, all, all that, you know, popcorn to a certain extent there. Um, Universal has butterbeer, but they also get a lot, of, they sell a lot of the uh, Homer Simpson donuts in their Simpsons land. That, oh, come uh, on. Strawberry donuts. Oh. They're pretty good. Oh. <laughs> you know, if, it's, if it, you have a donut named after Homer Simpson, it's got to be good. <laughs> well, it's, it's it looks just like, you know, the Simpsons donut, and yeah. it tastes like you would imagine the cartoon does, which is <laughs> delicious. <laughs> you know, so it's, there's a lot of those kind of foods, and it's there. Uh, after you walk around the park a few times, you feel like you've earned it. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> you're do, you get you're, I, you're getting your steps. You're getting your steps. Right, in. Exactly. Yeah, I earned the giant donut today. <laughs> yeah, I we used to have a uh, we used to have a, a, a an amusement park here right outside of Chicago in Bolingbrook that was indoor. It was called Old Chicago. Are you familiar with Old Chicago? Oh gosh, I've heard of it. I haven't done any research on it though. Oh, it's such a it was such a weird place, Kevin. It was such weird. It was so weird. I went there a million times. So there was an amusement park, and it had the first loop de loop upside down uh, roller coaster. And um, but the, the amusement park was in the middle, and it was surrounded by a mall. So the idea was the kids would go to the amusement park, and the parents could shop. Unfortunately, they didn't have any anchor stores, and every store in that place sucked. It was just, it was terrible. And so um, it didn't do very well, and it, it ended up closing down. But I, in the 70s, it was a place to go. And if you ever see a movie co- uh, called The Fury, Kevin, which is a, I have it's a Brian De Palma movie from 78, uh, and it's about uh, people with psychic powers. There's a fantastic scene that was filmed in old Chicago. So if you want to get a glimpse <laughs> of it, you want to get a glimpse of it, check out the movie The Fury. There's a fantastic scene. Uh, that takes well, place in there. You mentioned old Chicago, and and that got my mind going because I was thinking, like, why does that sound so familiar? Um, uh, Freedom Land, which I was talking about earlier, which was the theme park in the Bronx, yeah. uh, based on U.S. history, had yeah. an, you know, I should have mentioned, it's also in the shape of the United States, oh. which was something very special. Oh. If you look at an aerial of it, it looks like the continental U.S. Oh, it's is that ridiculous. right? That's crazy. Yeah, it's a- absolutely ridiculous. Crazy. Um, but one of the sections, one of the lands, instead of Frontierland or Adventureland, it was Old Chicago. And uh, the main... The main attraction of Old Chicago was the Great Chicago Fire, oh, which was a uh, which was a giant building that they lit on fire, 
and they had every 20 minutes, every 20 minutes, they bring out the fire engine and it was a big hand pump one. And all the kids would come pump out the fire. And you had a uh, Miss O'Leary from the old, uh, uh the tale. Of yeah, the, it was her yeah, fault. The cow, the cow. The cow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. They had, they had her, although I should say him because it was always played by a man walking around the park. So you could take pictures with Miss O'Leary and every 20 minutes experience the horror that was the great Chicago fire. That is and unbelievable. This was in 1960, so it hadn't even been 100 years yet. There oh. were people that remembered, probably, yeah. the fire. <laughs> That's insane. That's absolutely crazy. That is hilarious. Uh, let's see. Here's Teresa on WGN. Hi, Teresa. How you doing? All right. What's up? No, I was just saying, yeah, we, uh, we used to go to Old Chicago because it was like the first indoor amusement park. You know, didn't yeah, have to worry yeah, if it was rain or shine. Right. You, know? you, can, you can go in January. Right, yeah, you know, and but it was it sucked the 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 uh, stores. There was like, like you hit a point in the in the place um, you're going down, and then like there was like no more stores. Yeah, and it was like the dead the dead end of the mall. Exactly. You're like, where's the stores? You know? Yeah, they're gone. You know what, Teresa? Here's what I remember. I remember there being at least two or three iron-on decal T-shirt shops. Right. That's right. what. That's the thing then, I, that I remember the most. <laughs> Definitely, and then the, and then the roller coaster was like up in that dome. Yep, they had a dome. Yeah, you know, yeah. Kevin, the the building itself was like it was. It looked like a you know a, a really ugly building, but it had a dome in the middle. Dome. Yeah, right, and that's where the roller coaster would go up inside. There, right. That's where the loops. You know, exactly. Like and you could exactly. see it. You know. Yeah. So it was pretty cool. That it, was ridiculous. it only lasted from. 1975 to 1980, and that was it. Five years. Yeah, five years. But I went there a million times, and it's so. And, and Teresa, yeah. it, you, as you as you know, it was so 70s. Oh. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so, like you said, the blacks, you know, the the, the black t shirt shops, you know, yep. that was the that's 70s. It. That's it. Gotta okay. Go get your iron on. Exactly. <laughs> well, thanks. thanks a lot. All right, Teresa, take care. Yeah, you know, people of a certain age, Kevin, remember old Chicago. I got to tell you. <laughs> The indoor theme parks are uh, a weird uh, subgenre. Yeah, let's talk I, a little bit about. Let's talk a little bit about some of those. What are some of the other ones? Uh, Six Flags Power Plant was a theme park concept that was in Baltimore, and it's now a Barnes and Noble. Which is weird. <laughs> Wait a um, minute! Do it. It's a bar- It's a Barnes and Noble in this day and age. I thought Barnes and Nobles were all closed. right. Exactly. You know, the- you thought the theme park would last longer than Barnes and Noble, but no. <laughs> Barnes and Noble replaced the theme park, um, and then there was uh, the the world of Sid and Marty Croft, the puppet famous puppeteer. Whoa, where that was, was that? That was in Atlanta, oh, and man. they it didn't work. These are all I should say. These are not your average because you. I'm assuming what old Chicago is based on what you were saying is it's a kind of a few kitty rides and then maybe a, a signature coaster. Yeah, they had a big um, they had a big loop. It was called the Chicago Loop, the the big roller coaster in there. <laughs> Um, and yeah, then they, the, and they had like you know the rotor and so, you know I mean basically and they had a haunted house you know um, right yeah so yeah those those parks are are common but these the Elite power plant as well as Cinemarty Croft they were trying to like we're not going to do thrill rides we're just going to do like dark rides and weird experimental stuff but the Cinemarty Croft one did not last long it actually that same building got transformed into the CNN headquarters what um yeah and you can still see it if you like if you side by side you could be like hey that escalator is weird and then you'll be like oh that's why because it was like it used to be a special escalator oh. that took you to the top and like all that stuff so that's yeah, so funny 
Yeah, that's so funny. Sid and Marty Croft is you know that's my generation of children's uh, shows, and that and everything that they did that Sid and Marty Croft did was insane and weird. Right. Well, what were some of it? Was it were they HR Puff and stuff? Yeah, they were HR Puff and stuff. They were Lidsville, yeah. uh, 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 Sigmund and the Sea Monster. It, it, everything was just like. You know, uh, it's like they, clearly they were blowing weed. There's just there's no when they came up with ideas. There, there's there's just no question about it. And that's the stuff I grew up on. <laughs> I would have yeah, loved to very... go, I would have loved to have gone to that theme park, man. Yeah, I mean, gosh, I would have as well. That's one of those that would have been because with with indoor theme parks, especially with the photography is so bad. There's a lot I of bet. dark. Yeah, I um, bet. So there's nothing. So I've even talked to people that design these rides because I, I I do a podcast where I interview the people that design and, and create these attractions. Yeah, yeah. And even and then I asked them like, "Do you have any photos?" And they're like, "No, it was super dark." And I was like, "Great." <laughs> <laughs> like, we, didn't, like, we didn't have phones. And I was right. like, "Well, I, right. I know, but like, did you take any? Did you turn on the lights for like five seconds and get a photo from?" No, no, too dark. Too dark. You know, did, did, have you? Did you talk about the the uh, the the Mall of America at all? Oh, man, I've always wanted to. I think that the Mall of America, which now holds, I think, Nickelodeon Universe. Oh, okay. Not, That's what it's it called now? It used to hold yeah. Camp Snoopy, I think. Yeah, no, it was Camp Snoopy because I, I went there a long time ago. I went there in, like, the mid-'90s. Um, yeah, that's a big one. And uh, yeah, no, that was that was like it, that place. I'm not good with malls, Kevin. I get kind of freaked out in them. And that place gave me the I, I, I you know, I got the vapors, man. It was just not it was not good. I was freaking out. But yeah, right in the middle of the right in the middle of the mall, there was like an amusement park and a Snoopy roller coaster. Yeah, Snoopy is big into theme parks. He's currently the mascot of Cedar uh, fair, which runs probably 10 or 12 amusement parks. Mm. And he's the, he's like the Mickey mouse of them. So yeah, Snoopy is, even though he is no longer a mall of America, he has gone on to live a prosperous career as yeah. the MetLife mascot, as well as the mascot for many theme parks. Exactly. And, uh, you, you know, um, uh, you, you, you mentioned, uh, Snoopy being the mascot of so many, so many places. Uh, what, what are some of the more popular mascots besides Snoopy? popular i mean of course you got so it's actually funny i think woody woodpecker was the mascot of universal studios it that didn't last um or if it still he might still be the official one i remember um, i remember him on the commercials yeah yeah he, yeah they're waving um yeah you also you also have a I, I went my park my home park was sam panda he was just a panda, and his name was Sam, and that was the extent to his backstory. He had no cartoon. His just his name was Sam Panda, and we all were like, "Yes." And he's kind of uh, he he remains in my mind as a nemesis because it just didn't gel with me for some reason. I was like, "This is a park about this is a, the roller coasters, but how does a panda?" But whatever. Right. So yeah, you have a you have, the mascots are very. Uh, of course, every theme park ha- tries to have one. Uh, the one in Freedomland, because we've talked about that one so yeah. much, is uh, J- was Johnny Freedom was his name, <laughs> and he was a blonde-haired uh, like mascot for America. He was like he was everything. He was independence and freedom and liberty. It's like you you could make a person out of oh. what America Americans think America is. Johnny he Freedom. Johnny Freedom. That's hilarious. Yeah. That's absolutely hilarious. Um, oh God, some of this stuff is so much fun. Uh, you continue to do this, right? You're working on more, right? Oh yeah. We got a lot more coming. 
um, just doing random, uh, well, not random, but we're doing parks all throughout the United States and the world. You know, we've done parks in Europe and Asia and, and all and all sorts of places. So, yeah, we're, we're still uh, still making stuff. We're making more stuff. I I feel a need to make something on Riverview now because it feels like a lot of people yeah, yeah. In, the, in the Chicago area remember it. You know, it's a pretty legendary, it's a pretty legendary place, Kevin, uh, and, you know, for, for definitely for a certain generation. Uh, there's 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 no question about it and it's got an incredible reputation and you know and its location is just so unique where it was it's right in the middle of the city you know most mm-hmm. of these are on the outskirts this was right in the middle of the city uh you know off of western avenue <laughs> right <laughs> right there and uh it's the site of uh, of a college now and uh of a of a of a, uh, a couple of grocery stores and a strip mall that's what's there now so. Yeah, amazing. Well, I'll, I'll have to look into that one. Maybe okay. I'll do an episode on that. Cool. All right. Hey, Kevin, man, been a, been a real a lot of fun talking to you, man. Check out uh, defunctland.com, youtube.com slash defunctland. Kevin, it was great talking to you, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. Okay, man. Kevin Perjurer is uh, his name. All right, and uh, we're going to break for the news. Hello, Nick DeGilio here on 720 WGN. We are live in the uh, Skyline uh, studios here, and um, uh, we're here until uh, 4 o'clock. We've got um, a round of Know Your Onion coming up at uh, 3.30, a little bit later on. We have uh, robots that have come for the White Castle, 10 inventions that are ahead of its time, uh, and uh, and much more. 312-981-7200 is the phone number. Uh, welcoming to the show, my next guest is uh, Caroline Corey. Uh, she's an award-winning filmmaker, a futurist, and an author. She is uh, an author of best-selling books on consciousness and energy medicine, and she's got uh, a new film called Superhuman, The Invisible Made Visible. And uh, it's uh, available on many formats, um, including uh, iTunes and Amazon, Google Play, Vimeo, and uh, so much more. And she's here to talk about her new movie. Carolyn, welcome. Hi, Nick. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Tell me, uh, tell me about yourself. Where are you from, and all that stuff. Oh, you mean uh, originally from what planet? <laughs> yeah, if you want, if, 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 if you prefer, <laughs> yeah, sure. Well, um, actually, no, let's just keep it kind of down to earth. (laughs) Um, I'm originally French, but uh, I'm American now. Uh, And um, yeah, I've been in the field of consciousness pretty much my whole life. I've had all kinds of direct experiences with um, other worlds, other realities, got me wondering, how does it all work? How is this possible? How come... We can see and tap into information we didn't know beforehand and things like that. So asking these questions, I became a researcher, teacher, author in the field of consciousness studies and energy medicine. And eventually I uh, started making films because I realized not everybody wants to, you know, do a workshop or study or read books. So that is how I got into uh, 
this field. And uh, yeah, my latest film is Superhuman, The Invisible Made Visible. So um, can you can you pinpoint the first experience you had when you were young that 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 brought you to this to this area? Yes, absolutely. In fact, this was the most important experience, and I still remember it so clearly. I was five years old, and all of a sudden, I just saw beings. Uh, You know, they were like light beings. They were a group of beings. They just showed up, and we started to communicate telepathically. Um, And I thought everybody could see them. I didn't think anything was weird. Um, And so they basically told me that we came together and I was kind of like as if I were their their counterpart in physical form and they were my lineage in spirit form. So it was very interesting because it kind of gave me a sense of still being connected to the spirit world. And they showed me how they were communicating telepathically with me. They told me it's a, it's a whole concept. It's not words. So the thought form is a universal language that is shared by all beings. It's not like we speak English or French or Chinese. We, we are all tapped into the same universal language, if you will. And then we transfer thought forms from being to being, and then it's your brain that translates it into the language that you speak. So I remember this so clearly. (laughs) I was five years old. I was like, oh, okay, this makes perfect sense. And um, they said, but if we are going to stay connected, you have to ask. You have to make the effort. You, You cannot just you know, assume that we're going to be there and communicate with you. You have to ask and we will be there. And so these these were the two very, very important things that I learned when I was five years old was through this experience. But you have to ask for this experience to happen and that also everybody's tapped into the same uh, universal codes, if you will. We're all tapped into the same field. Does that make sense? Uh, yes. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. Can you uh, sort of explain consciousness studies to us? Yeah. So it's basically uh, the study of your awareness of being who you are and what that entails, not just, you know, obviously your, your job, your identity as a human being, but more your energy, the type of being that you are and so and what that energy can do so in terms of creating a reality in terms of shifting other people's awareness shifting the collective consciousness all kinds of abilities that are beyond what we know of in this 3d in a physical sense so consciousness can be expanded so that is the study of consciousness how does it all work how does it interact with the physical world? What is the mechanics? What are the mechanics behind it? And how are we all connected, you know, through a, a larger universal consciousness? The, we go, go back to when you were five again, um, and you saw these things and these beings. Um, do you have a big family? Did you, how did your family react to this? 
Yeah, it's funny. Everybody asks me the same question <laughs> because uh, I looked around. I mean, my, it, it was actually Christmas Eve. That's why I remember it so clearly. And I was just kind of looking around. My parents and other adults were in the room. They were they were kind of preparing like gifts and trees, the Christmas tree or whatever. And as I was watching them, I started thinking to myself, what does this have to do with Jesus? What does this have to do with creation, with God? What does this have to do with love? I was wondering, like, what they were doing with all these gifts. And and so as I was asking these questions, this is exactly when those beings showed up. It's as if, you know, they were there to answer my questions, if you will. And so uh, I didn't really pay attention, you know, anymore. I started focusing on them. And like I said, it felt so natural. It was spontaneous. It wasn't scary at all. It wasn't like a sixth sense, you know, seeing ghosts or anything like that. It was just an organic, very comfortable. In fact, it was very familiar. And it was very refreshing because, uh, you know, the, the humans were kind of, kind of arguing and, you know, fussing over silly stuff, whereas these beings were just so loving and kind and beautiful. <laughs> so so it was actually so nice that I didn't think that it was weird or awkward. And so after the experience was over, I didn't share it with anybody. Nobody noticed anything. I was kind of in my own world, in that bubble, if you will. And even later on, I just I just kept it to myself, and I thought, oh, all the children can do this. Everybody can do this, so it's nothing special. And that's the reason why I never shared it, which was a good thing, because that kept me open, you know, because a lot of children, um, when they share uh, these experiences, the parents tell them, oh, there's nothing there, right. stop that, there's no imaginary friend. And so they shut down these these abilities, you know, the, the, the fact that they could just open up and tap into these other worlds. Okay. Uh, Caroline, hold on, okay? Sure. Okay. Uh, Caroline Corey is here. She is an award-winning filmmaker, a futurist, and an author. Her new movie, which we're going to talk about, is called Superhuman, The Invisible Made Visible. Uh, and we'll talk more about consciousness and more. Uh, right after this on 720 WGN. Nick DeGilio here on 720 WGN. We're live in the Skyline studio here until 4 o'clock. 312-981-7200 is the the phone number if you would like to join us. And uh, it is a Wednesday morning, which means we'll do a Know Your Onion coming up a little bit later on, around uh, 3.30, of course. 312-981-7200. 312-981-7200 is our phone number. Caroline Corey is my uh, guest right now. She's an award-winning filmmaker, a futurist, and an author. Her latest movie is called Superhuman, the Invisible Made Visible. Um, It says here that you taught energy medicine and consciousness work for over a decade. What does that exactly mean? What is energy medicine? Yeah, so it's uh, what people call energy healing. It means that you heal 
uh, without any sort of uh, medication or anything like that, obviously. But more importantly, it's just by shifting energy, shifting your frequency, if you will. And so I actually, when I went, I went to college to study psychology, so I'm trained as a psychologist, but uh, I realized that it just wasn't enough. It was, as a psychologist, you know, they train you to process the issues that you have by talking about them. You know, the more you talk about it, you you feel better, and then you just kind of let go of certain things. But usually it just goes back to a problem you have in childhood, the father or the mother, and that's about it. But because I was naturally tapping into other realities, I could I could see people's energy, like subtle energy, not just the aura, but kind of the root cause, the behind the problem they were struggling with. Um, and so it was information that they never told me about, but I could see it. And so when I would tell them, yes, your trauma or your chronic migraines or whatever you're going through right now is because uh, when you were seven, you had a drowning experience and this is what happened and you hit your head and and that's why. And so, so then we would reverse it. So energy healing, we would just kind of reprogram yourselves to stop going to that pattern of every time I have a trauma, I have a migraine headache. Every time I'm stressed, I have a migraine headache. It's all patterns that you taught yourself. And so with energy medicine, you kind of reprogram yourself to undo these patterns. And when you do that, basically you're going into the subconscious mind, undoing these patterns and putting new patterns in. And when you do that, the problem is solved and it goes away. Oh, okay. So, yeah. <laughs> so, so that's kind of, I developed a whole methodology uh, because I would, I would, like I said, I would see the root cause and their problem would go away and then it would happen again and again and again. So this was validation for me that I wasn't crazy, <laughs> that yeah. what I was tapping into worked, whatever it was. However I was doing it, it was working and helping people. And so, but it was important to me to understand how I was doing it because I wanted to teach people to do it themselves. I don't want to keep doing it for others. And so that's what I, what, when you said I developed a methodology for 10 years, um, you know, teaching people energy medicine, these types of techniques to basically self heal, self repair, self maintain. Oh. Okay. Now, let me ask you, <clears throat> when I go back to the, to the you know, the, the, the first incident that you remember when you were five, um, you, you didn't tell anybody about it, but did you eventually find peers that also had the same kind of experiences that you had? Did you find people of your, of your, of your same ilk? And, and when did that happen? Did that happen later in life or, you know, as you were younger? Yeah, so um, so yeah, that experience when I was five, I didn't talk about it. And then other experiences started to happen a little bit later, like on and off. It wasn't, uh, you know, like all the time. For example, at 10 years old, I had another similar experience. And then when I was 13, 14. And so I still never talked about it because actually I didn't even know what to say. And because I thought everybody had those experiences, I felt embarrassed. Like, you know, I was going to say, hey, I had this experience and everybody would be like, so what? You know? Yeah. yeah. So, so I didn't, yeah, I didn't share it. But then when I became an adult, you know, I started 
looking around and I realized that people were not tapped. They were, they were not seeing the subtle energy that I was seeing. They didn't, they weren't able to tap into the, their subconscious spontaneously. They couldn't see angels or whatever angelic forms like I did. Then I realized, okay, well, maybe it's not as common as I thought. And, and that's when I started to kind of do more research. And this is where I started developing these methodologies because I realized, wait a minute, uh, you know, if I'm doing, if I'm resolving this issue without prior knowledge, like, how did I do that? So, so I, I had to figure it out and do research and see who else was doing something similar or different. So that's kind of how it all evolved. And, and then still, when I had the whole methodology developed, this is when I started sharing it with the public and, you know, kind of teaching it to others. And, you know, I started having, um, you know, different clients from all over the world and, you know, uh, students and classes and things like that. Well, how do you how do you uh, normally work with your clients? Tell me a little bit about how you go through that. Yeah, so it depends what they're going through. If they're going through something, actually, it doesn't really matter what the actual problem is because the process is the same. And I can work with them in person or long distance because it, you know it's I, when you once you see subtle energy, you your tap your brain is not functioning in a linear sense. You're you're tapping into the you know collective the unified field and so there is no time space so you see these subtle energy because it's it's a spectrum that is above um the visual the human visual spectrum anyway so the person doesn't even have to be here to for me to see what's going on for them so so they would call me or we do a Skype call or whatever. <laughs> and then they would tell me what the problem is. And as they are speaking, I start to see that root cause. And then as I see the root cause, I would ask them questions. Well, um, did your mother do this when you were 13 or when you were born? Did, were you born as a twin? Did your brother die when you are you know, things like that. Because I would see those things kind of unfold, like, like, small videos in, in my third eye kind of a thing. And because I train myself, because I've done this so many times and because, of, again, I've had so many validation that, I mean, I kind of got to trust what I'm seeing. And so, and then I, I would, when they confirm to me that that is, in fact, what happened, then I will guide them to undo it by, you know, by intent or, for example, I would say, okay, say, when I was, uh, whatever, seven, I had a drowning experience. I'm asking to release this trauma from my cellular memory, from my conscious, subconscious mm. um, cellular memory. So, you know, I just kind of would guide them to undo this pattern and delete it uh, from their cells and DNA, basically. Oh. And so, and then we would reprogram it with new information. And of course, it's, it's a bit more complex than that as well. Then I work with geometry and frequencies and stuff like that. But at least on the, you know, in a simplistic term, that's how I guide them. Okay. Okay. That's uh, that's fascinating. Uh, Caroline, hold on, okay? Okay. All right. Uh, Caroline Corey, she's a filmmaker, a futurist, and an author. And she's got a new movie called Superhuman, The Invisible Made Visible. And we are going to uh, talk about that right after this on 720 WGN.
Nick DeGilio here on 720 WGN. Live in the Skyline studio uh, in downtown Chicago. Here until uh, 4 o'clock. We have our classic uh, Johnny Carson, the Johnny Carson show. You can watch it um, every night on Antenna TV. And we always play like uh, some comedy from it, whether it be interviews or uh, sketches or stand-up. The great... Gary Shandling will be featured uh, this morning from 1983. One of the greatest. Know Your Onion coming up at 3.30. Get ready to go for that. Um, We're going to talk about inventions that were ahead of its time and uh, other fun stuff. 312-981-7200 is the phone number if you would like to join us. Caroline Corey is uh, with me. She's an award-winning filmmaker, a futurist, and an author. Her latest movie is called Superhuman, The Invisible Made Visible. Uh, and you can see it on iTunes, Amazon, Google Play, Vimeo, Xbox, PlayStation, and more. Uh, and Caroline is here to talk about that and more. Caroline, welcome back. Hi. Hi. Uh, so uh, tell me about the movie, Superhuman, The Invisible Made Visible. Yes. So because I've had myself uh, these types of experiences and I know they are real, they work, and I've met so many individuals that do the same. You know, they tap into information, they can do things um, that are very much real. I wanted to put that in film format uh, because I think it's just, I think people are ready to see this. I think people are more and more curious about these um, phenomena. And so I wanted to go a step further, not just kind of talk about it, because as you know, we've been hearing a lot about the mind affect our body, uh, meditation helps us heal the body or our stress level or what have you. So there's a lot of talk and theories that the mind has an effect on the body. So what I wanted to do is not just talk about it, but show it. In other words, demonstrate or validate scientifically how that could be possible. So in the film, we show, we actually do experiments uh, live on camera. And um, and for example, we do a remote viewing experiment. So we bring somebody who's never uh, done any remote viewing in their life, in in her life. Her name was uh, Rachel, actually. She's one of the actors in the film. And um, we teach her how to basically tap into the unified field, how to do remote viewing in a couple hours. And then we do this experiment where a couple of us go to a remote location, and she tries to see where we are, um, you know, describe the location, uh, describe what we were doing, um, you know, the kind of uh, objects that, that were there and things like that. And, you know, this the remote viewing was part of a government program, actually. And so uh, for 20 years, they were training soldiers to buy on the Russians, uh, training them to remote view certain um, uh, location, military locations remotely just to uh, spy on the Russians. So this is a very real phenomenon. So in the film, we do that. And, uh, and you know, Rachel was incredible. She had never done this before. She was able to, she nails it. I mean, she, she picks up all kinds of little details and information uh, from the location where we were. And so, so this is like one of the experiments we, we do. Then we go to another experiment where we try to change the pH of water just 
through intention. We focus on the water and we change the pH. It goes up or down. And this experiment has been done before by other physicists. And, uh, and of course, you know, we were able to do it. And just for the folks who are listening, the way we do a scientific experiment, you know, we create a baseline. So for several hours, like we... Um, we we take the measurement of the water for you know five hours and an hour over and over, and then exactly let's say at three o'clock we focus on the water. We try to change the pH for fifteen minutes, and then it goes back to the baseline. So during these fifteen minutes, we see if there's any change, and sure enough, every single time we do that, uh, there is a significant change in the pH, and so. So this is another experiment we do in the film. Again, to demonstrate that the mind can affect matter, can change certain things, especially water, because if you can change the pH in water, then you can change it in your body since we're made of mostly of water. Right. And so on and so forth. Wow. Okay. That's fascinating stuff. Let me ask you, how did you get this movie made, Caroline? Was it, was it, uh, uh, how, how did it get funded? Actually, I had a sponsor uh, who was really uh, very, very generous because he believed in my work, and so he uh, gave me the funds to to do it. And so that's how I was able to just get it done very quickly, actually. And uh, yeah, I, I think it's it's really um, also the production value. Uh, if, if you can just watch from the trailer, you can tell. I wanted to also keep it uh, very, very high quality and bring on very uh, high-level folks from cast to crew and everybody in between. So I'm very proud of it. Yeah. Uh, and by the way, the website, you can you can see it at superhumanfilm.com. You can, can people watch the trailer there as well? Yes, absolutely. They can see some of the clips, actually, because it's an animation on um, the website itself, superhumanfilm.com. And then uh, they can just scroll through the page and see the trailer and all kinds of images and cast and crew information and so on and so forth. And it is it is currently available uh, at places like iTunes and Amazon and Google Play and Vimeo, correct? Yes. Uh huh. And there will be more, but it just opened today. And so, uh, well, actually, July 14th. I'm sorry. Yeah, I, yeah. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what date it is. <laughs> uh, anyway. <laughs> anyway, so um, yeah, so it just opened, and so, but it will be available on many platforms as well. So people can just go to superhumanfilm.com and click on Watch Now, and they'll see all the platforms. Um, let me ask you this: You actually interviewed Corey Feldman in the film? Yeah. So what I did is, again, the film is to also show that everybody can do this. I didn't want to be the only one or my students that are trained, you know, be, be the only ones. And so because of that, I, we just invited random folks. But also I thought I would invite some people that maybe recognize just, just to see what would happen. And so I called um, a casting agent and also had some friends. And so we ended up, uh, yeah, working with a few folks from Star Trek to Corey Feldman, Naomi Grossman. Yeah, a few actors. It was a lot of fun. Uh, let me ask you this just in general. We talk about the extrasensory uh, experiences. Uh, is, the, is, is there a downside to abilities like this? I don't know if there's a downside. Well, I mean, I guess some people who um, 
are have those abilities. First of all, everybody has those abilities, okay. like I was saying. We, right. we just don't know how to develop them, develop them. And so I think that people who have developed them or keep them open, like myself, since I was a kid, that you know that ability to just see through things or whatever, um, I think it makes you very sensitive. So the downside is that you're extremely sensitive. I can sense things that are happening on the other side of the planet. I wake up, um, you know, I have heart palpitations, and I know there's an earthquake somewhere, and sure enough, there's an earthquake somewhere. Somebody walks in the room, I can sense their energy right away. So, you know, at the end of the day, it kind of, it's tiring <laughs> because you're, it's like your energy is picking up all sorts of information. So I would say that is the downside. Uh, you have to know how to control it. I mean, how to manage it so it doesn't affect you. It doesn't drain you. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but if you're trained, then you know how to manage this and it becomes fun. I think the, uh, the advantages uh, outweigh the disadvantages. Okay. I mean, I would never want to not have this. <laughs> I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. Well, the movie yeah. is called Superhuman, <laughs> The Invisible Made Visible. Uh, you can uh, see it on iTunes, Amazon, Google Play, Vimeo, Xbox, and more. And uh, all the information and clips and trailers and and uh, and uh, links are available at superhumanfilm.com, superhumanfilm.com. Uh, Caroline, thank you so much for joining me. And uh, it's fascinating stuff. Oh, thanks so much for having me. This was a lot of fun. Okay, take care. Thanks so much. All right. Caroline Corey, uh, filmmaker, futurist, and author. The movie is called Superhuman, The Invisible Made Visible. Uh, And again, you can check out superhumanfilm.com for all the information that you can possibly need. Okay. We'll take a quick break here. It's uh, Nick DiGilio on 720 WGN. Girl, would you like someone new to talk to? Oh, yeah, all right. I'm feeling kind of lonely too. Hello, Nick DeGilio here on 720 WGN. We're live in the Skyline studio here until 4. Uh, it is a Wednesday, right? It's Wednesday. <laughs> and uh, we're going to play a little Know Your Onion. A little bit later on uh, at 3.30, every Wednesday morning at 3.30, we play Know Your Onion. That's where we get a couple of uh, contestants on, on the phone. They each play around. Tom will throw some news headlines at them, and uh, they have to decide whether they're real or from the satirical newspaper, The Onion. Uh, we always play back some classic Johnny Carson. The Johnny Carson Show is um, is on every night on Antenna TV, and we like to play a little bit of comedy from the Johnny Carson Show every morning at... Uh, at 2.30, and uh, sometimes it's stand-up, sometimes it's sketches, sometimes it's just an interview. We got some stand-up from the legendary Gary Shandling uh, from uh, 1983, some vintage Gary Shandling, one of the funniest men that ever lived. Uh, Tom, you ever see the documentary that Judd Apatow made about Gary Shandling? Yeah, it was like uh, it's like four hours. Yep. It's really good. It was great. It was great. What was it called? The Mind of... Gary Shandling or something to that effect. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a, it was based on the book that Apatow put together of Gary Shandling's 
you know, notes and thoughts. And, yeah, the Zen Diaries of the Gary Zen Diaries. Of, that's it. Yeah, Gary Shandling. He was uh, incredible. He was one of my favorites. So, um, all right. Are you afraid of robots, Tom? Uh, only the kind that time travel. So you Terminators and stuff. Very afraid of that one. Other robots, like I'm not afraid of a, what, like a Roomba. Like, am I afraid of that Roomba? No. I think the cat's more afraid of the Roomba than I am. But you, have you seen video of cats riding Roombas? I have not. Oh no, there's videos oh, of people. Oh my god. Of cats like sitting on a Roomba just riding around the kitchen. <laughs> See, this is the friendly robot future we can envision for ourselves. Cats on robots. Yeah. Cat robot cats. Well, we have robots. Uh, they're, they're more and more in the news. There's like a robot story every day in the news. You know why? Because it's 2020 and we have to have robot stories in the news every day. Uh, well, it's time for another installment of the Takeout's Robot Patrol. This is from our, our good friends over at the Takeout. We love the Takeout. A great food website. They cover everything. And this one is especially devastating uh, to me. Regular readers of the Takeout might know that I have an intense spiritual connection to White Castle. Who wrote this? I believe this was uh, Allison Robicelli. Oh, this is Allison. Okay. She has an intense spiritual connection to White Castle. Who doesn't? Really? Um, it helped me fall in love with my husband. It catered our wedding. Yes, that's her. That's her. Hell, I even got a fancy James Beard nomination for writing about it. It's bigger than a burger chain to me, and I've always found a way to forgive its trespasses. But now, oh God, it pains me to say this. White Castle is now in cahoots with the robots. <laughs> she seems very ups- <laughs> very upset by this. <laughs> White Castle is in cahoots with the robots. That's a, that, that's a that's a sentence I didn't think I would ever read. That White Castle is in cahoots with the robots. You may remember Flippy, the fast food robot. You remember Flippy? Uh, The terrifying AI-enabled disembodied mechanical arm with an adorable name that will most certainly never use its powerful grip to strangle a part-time assistant manager. (laughs) Uh, If you don't, there's a video attached. Um, The creators of Flippy and Public Enemy number two. Today, White Castle has announced... That in pursuit of an optimal part, customer and team member experience, quote unquote, it will be launching a pilot partnership with Miso, giving Flippy the keys to the deep fryer in what very well could be the robot's big break. Per official press release, it says the deployment will put autonomous frying to work for enhanced production speeds, improved labor allocation, and an added layer of health and safety in the cooking process. Which is a fancy way of saying we're going to eliminate jobs for humans. Uh, though 
this um, many seem this may seem uh, horrible when you consider that nearly half of the country is out of uh, out of a job. Keep in mind that White Castle says it's only doing this because the company is committed to delivering the best customer dining uh, experience. Plus, White Castle doesn't want to hurt the humans; it wants to protect them. The press release continues: White Castle's decision to pilot Flippy in the kitchen creates an avenue for reduced human contact with food during the cooking process, reducing potential for transmission of food pathogens. The implementation also brings intelligence to cooking, tapping into sensors, intelligent monitoring, monitoring and anticipated kitchen needs to keep food temperatures consistent and ensure optimal quality and the perfect bite for customers. Flippy is scheduled to make its debut uh, on the White Castle line sometime this fall, somewhere around Chicago. According to Nation's Restaurant News, the company presumably chose to not share the exact whereabouts in order to prevent me and my nunchucks from rolling up and taking care of business. As for my future relationship with White Castle, while I can get over the lifetime of heartburn, indigestion, upset stomach, and all the other fun stuff that it had blessed me with, I don't know if I'll ever be recovered from my, this shattered heart. So Flippy the Robot's going to be working over at White Castle. Somewhere in Chicago, we don't know where. Maybe you can see Flippy at Addison and Elston. Maybe that's the White Castle that uh, Flippy's going to be at. I think the name Flippy is hilarious, by the way. <laughs> So the robots have come for White Castle. You can read all about it at the takeout, thetakeout.com. Um, so we're going to jump back in here to inventions that were ahead of ahead of their time. But here's Rich on WGN. Go ahead, Rich. Hey, Nick. What's up? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, well, I'm sure you remember this. Robbie the robot that was in Forbidden Planet. <laughs> yeah. He yep. got him drunk. It was it was hysterical. He burped and everything. Yeah, yeah. No, that's a that's, and before that's a, the Roomba, I had Robbie the. Uh, I I invented uh, Robbie the uh, vacuum cleaner. Rob, Robbie back. Robbie. I was going to call Robbie back. Oh, but Roomba beat me. Okay. <laughs> All right, Rich. Thanks, man. Yeah. Hey. Cool. All right. Take care. Yeah, Robbie the robot. That's got to be one of the most. Iconic robots of all time, right? Robbie the robot, and uh, the robot from uh, Lost in Space. Did he have a name? The one in Lost in Space. I think he was just robot. Very creative. And he had those slinky arms. <laughs> oh no, not me! Take the boy. Danger, Will Robinson. Yeah, Danger, Will Robinson. You magnificent bag of bolts. So. I'm not going to eat White Castle if that White Castle is made by a robot. No? No. no. Yeah. I, I mean, I get it. I think robots are cool. I think they perform interesting functions. Uh-huh. The aforementioned, you know, Roomba. That's cool. You know, that's not taking anyone's job, I, except for unless you consider ha- vacuum cleaners having a job. But uh, it's like at the it's like when I go to the jewels and they've got the self checkout yeah. thing. I get it. It's it's cool. You know, sometimes you're just getting one thing. Like I'm just like oh, I'm walking by the jewel. 
I got to get like two things. I'm, I don't want to wait in line super long time for uh, for a Coke and some chips or something like that if I'm just walking by Jewel. But um, the one I've gone to, it's just a mess, the self-checkout. It's a mess. Yeah. I would much rather have just a person <laughs> I think they've, stuff I up. think they've cut down on the self-checkouts at my dad's Jewel, mm-hmm. that Irving and Narragansett. Because they used to have like four of them. Oh, we've got an entire. There's like eight. There's eight at my at my jewel on uh, Montrose and Broadway. Yeah, or Sheridan, whatever you want to. It's that weird place where they intersect. Yeah, but uh, it's it's super frustrating, and people get so frustrated trying to use them because one thing doesn't scan right, or the weight's off. Then you got to wait for the person yeah, yeah. who's supervising the four. I mean, you're literally paying a guy to stand there. Yeah, just so that he could go uh, walk over, scan get the his key, car, yeah, yeah you know, do the thing. Yeah. All right, continue, and then it happens like two minutes later when you're paying for bananas. Yeah, it's really pretty frustrating. Robots can be stupid. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> and then there's of course the time traveling murder thing. That's not cool. You can't have that. The time traveling murder thing is yeah, that? I mean, is that a thing outside of the Terminator? I mean, were there a lot Could. of time? Were there t- a lot of time traveling robots in in in, in other shows and <laughs> movies? Because I mean, the first thing when you say time traveling robot killers, I immediately think Terminator. That's the first thing I think of. I mean, Van Damme and Time Cop is kind of like a time traveling murder robot. He's not a robot in Time Cop. Not literally, but his acting's a little stiff. <laughs> you know, it's robotic. That was the that was the first date of my first wife and I. See time cop. So time cop. Oof. That's a that's a bad omen. I was trying to remember what were other first dates. The first date of my second wife. Our first the first movie we saw, not necessarily our first date, but our first movie we saw was um, Sideways. A girl I lived with for a, a few years was deeply in love with. Who broke my heart. Our first movie was. Uh, the Vin Diesel movie where you can see in the pitch black. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. What was the what was his name? Uh Riddick. Riddick. Yeah. yeah. But um yeah, so Pitch Black was our first was our first movie, the girl I dated. And, and I'm trying to remember other people that I dated in our first movie. Oh, a uh, girl that I dated, Leslie Presley? Yeah. Boys in the Hood. Wow. A, a little intense. <laughs> a little intense for a first date. Boys in the Hood. That was our first movie. <laughs> I think uh, one girl, Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist. I love that movie. It's great stuff. I love that movie. You know you know who needs to make more movies? Who needs to be in more movies? Cat Denning. Yes. Because yeah. I don't want to watch that pie show. What, two girls? Yeah. Oh, dude, that's make... not on anymore. That's over. Oh, is that? What's it's on reruns? Sure, but yeah, they, didn't they make pies? They make cupcakes. Oh, cupcakes. All right. Yeah, Whip It was one. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that, I like that movie too. I love Cat Dennings. And then uh, Life of Pi, that kid and the tiger in the boat. She's in that? No, she's not in that. But that was another first date. Movie. Oh, oh, yeah. okay. All yeah, right. Whip It was uh, Ellen Page. Yeah. Yeah. Directed by Drew Barrymore. Yeah, that was a first date. That was a first date movie? Never took any girls to see robot movies. No robot movies. No traveling robot movies for you? No time traveling robot movies. I don't think there were any 
in the two, I think the closest we got was Will Smith and I Robot. Oh God. No time traveling robot movies. Yeah. I took a girl on a first date to see uh Dead Men Don't Wear Plaid. Steve Martin. That was in high school. <laughs> and you know I took a girl to see Dead Ringers. <laughs> Again. Weren't they? They were like gynecologists or something. What was their twin gynecologist? Twin drug drug addicted twin gynecologist who made very weird tools to use on women. And I took a girl on a first date to see that. Wow. On that note, let's go to the news. Uh, Nick DeGilio here on 720 WGN. We're live in the Skyline studio here until 4 o'clock, as we are every weekday morning. Uh, Coming up at 2.30, we always play back some classic Johnny Carson. You can watch the Johnny Carson show every night on Antenna TV. We're going to play back some uh, great stand-up from the legendary Gary Shandling. It's Wednesday, so that means at 3.30 we play a round of Know Your Onion. Two callers get in here. Each plays around. Tom will throw some news headlines at you, and you got to figure out whether uh, they're real or from the onion. So uh, there you go. Um, we're also going to talk about some of the uh, a parking ticket issued to a bus at a bus stop. <laughs> and uh, right now we're going to jump into inventions that are ahead of their time. 312-981-7200 is the phone number. Here's Robert on WGN. Hi, Robert. Uh, morning, Nick. Yeah. Hey, uh, again, when you're talking about robots, and uh, the jewel that I go to has uh, six self-checkouts, and you find yourself arguing with a computer, and then you start screaming at a computer, and you're trying to tell the computer that I put it in the bag department. It's in the bag department. And then people will literally come up to me and go, you know you're arguing with a machine. And I go, yeah, I, I, I know that, but i got to get my frustrations out somewhere. And you, if you ever notice, something, items come up wrong, then you go from paying the computer to going over to the service department, waiting in another long line to get back your $14, because the computer just charged you $14 for three bananas. Yeah, so, I don't. I don't use the self checkout, so I don't have these adventures. So, <laughs> well, I, I, you know, again, I'm a dumb human, and I and I just don't learn. So, yeah. All right, but, Robert. Thanks, man. All right, take all right. care, man. The only the only you know time that I that I use the self checkout, this Walgreens right down here. That's the only option that they have, right? At this, no, the, they've, at, they've at, got folks there. They've got folks behind the counter. They do the one over in. Right, on, right, right down the street from here. And it, with, oh, the CVS. Oh, that's a CVS. CVS. No, yeah, they have people at the counter, but they've also got like a corral of of self checkout. Oh, yeah, that's a CVS. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I just don't. I don't, you know, I don't use them. Um, the self checkout. 
at the jewels. Uh, 312-981-7200 is the phone number. It, that's the Team Hochberg phone line. 312-981-7200. I'm trying to remember if there were other killer robot uh, killer robots that go through time. Uh, Tom, do you, do, you, do you can you name any other killer robots that go through time besides the Terminator? Let me let me do a little let me do a little research here. I could I bet I could get you one. Do you have a favorite robot? A favorite robot? Do I have a favorite robot? Like do you like C3PO? Yeah, he's all right. He makes me nuts. He's just so foppish. He's so annoying. Yeah. R2D2 is pretty good though. Uh, favorite robot? Oh man. I like the the droid from uh Rogue One. Oh, uh, voiced by Alan Tujic. Yeah. K2SO. Yeah. Yeah, he's good. That's a good one. It's funny. <laughs> Very funny. Yeah, I can't... I, a favorite robot. Yeah. You don't have one? I I, I think I'd have to go with uh, Lost in Space. That's a great robot. I think I'd have to go with Lost in Space. Do you, do you have a favorite robot? 312-981-7200. The, word, the world of robots is, you know, because Flippy. How about Flippy? Do you Flippy like Flippy? The robot? No, because he's, t- he's taking jobs, man. Um, Flippy. What's the, what's the one from Short Circuit? Oh, yeah. What the hell was his name? What was that little idiot's name? Um. Oh, no. I, I know my favorite robot. Uh. It's something like what's it, what's it, short circuit number five number five that's his name number five right no I, I you know I just realized my favorite robot Wally Wally yeah great robot yep also my favorite Pixar movie I love that movie oh man it's so great uh, here's Patrick on WGN go ahead Patrick. First off, Lost in Space Robot, totally the best of all time. All right. And second off, I will not check myself out anywhere. I don't work at those places. I have people that get paid to check me out, and I will not check myself out unless they start giving me discounts to check myself out. <laughs> Plain and simple. I have standing, stood in the line at the self-checkout, until they come over, like your guy said, at Walgreens, they even have somebody. Because, again, if you go to buy alcohol, you can't self-check yourself out on alcohol. They have to have somebody come over and say, yes, you you are 21. They have to verify that. So somebody right. has to be right. attending that. So that person that's attending, guess what they get to do? <laughs> they get to check me out. I'm not checking myself out. All right, Plain Patrick. All right, I got it. Thanks. 312-981-7200 is the phone number. Uh, robots. <laughs> Do you have a favorite robot? What are some of the, the some of the classic robots of all time? And I'm not I'm not including Flippy. So let's take a break. And uh, do you have a favorite robot? What was his name again? Number five. Number five from Short Circuit, starring Ali Sheedy, Ali Sheedy and right. Steve Gutenberg. Oh yeah, Gutenberg was in that, wasn't he? <laughs> Good old Gutenberg. He's a good robot. All right. Don't be rude to the Goots. To the Goots. To the Goots. Yeah, to the Goots. Gutenberg. Uh-huh. A main man. Police Academy 1 through 9 or whatever. Come on, man. 
By the time they get to Moscow, it's just kind of well, they've really lost the uh, the plot. I don't think he's in all of them. No, probably not. He's got he's got to be in the one where they go to Moscow, though. You know who's it, who who's who who kind of took over that part? Matt McCoy, who now sells like insurance on TV, driving around with people in cars talking about insurance. You know what I remember Matt McCoy most from? When he was bearded Matt McCoy, and it was that movie where, where Rebecca De Mornay was the babysitter and she was nuts. The Hand That Rocked a Cradle. There you go. All right, robots, 312-981-7200. Nick DiGilio. Hello. We got on the topic of robots. Because Flippy the robot's going to be uh, working over at the White Castle. Flipping burgers. So now we're talking about our favorite robots. I'm just looking at the at a list here of the 100 best robots of all time. From the movie Robot Monster. You remember Robot Monster? Robot Monster is essentially the robot in it. It looks like a, it's a it's got like a bear suit on, but its head is looks like a astronaut helmet. That's the robot, and it's called Roman. I think Sven has, show, has shown that movie a couple of times. How about the robot dog from the movie Chomps? Sunny from iRobot. It's the. Uh, Will Smith. That's actually a pretty cool robot. How about Bubo? The robotic owl from Clash of the Titans. It's pretty cool because it's Ray Harryhausen. Gigolo Joe and Teddy from AI. The Colossus from the Colossus of New York. You know, they're they're counting... um, the uh, like cyborgs and stuff too. So, like for instance, the it's uh, Cal from Alien Resurrection. This Winona Ryder. I thought it was Call. Is it Call? Yeah, Cal- Call. I mean, I've only seen it once. Uh, the female Terminator from Terminator Three. That's a good one. Oh yeah, Christine Christiana Loken or Christina Loken. Yeah, she's great in that. All of the robots in Star Crash, which is one of the worst movies ever made. Have you ever seen Star Crash with Marjo Gortner? All right, here's uh, Steve on WGN. Go ahead, Steve. Hey, I, I can't even think if there's actually a character name, but Yule uh, Brenner in uh, Westworld. Oh, sure. Yeah, I don't remember his name. I don't think he had a name. No, no, I, yeah, he just uh, was there. Yeah. And don't forget about Rosie on the Jetsons. Oh, sure, Rosie on the Jetsons. That's a good one. Rosie the Maid on the Jetsons. Yeah. All okay, right. Nick. All right, see ya. Here's E-Rod on WGN. Go ahead. Hi, Nicholas. I uh, think that uh, Lost in Space Robot rules. And I was thinking about, I think 
this show may have been called Little Wonder. It was a small ro- wonder. Robot. Small wonder. Yeah, her name was Vicky. Yeah, I don't remember that, but I I just remember that I didn't watch the show, but I remember she was a robot. She was a little yeah, girl, she, little she, girl she robot. Was really, yeah, she was really cool. Haywood Kit, the car qualify as a robot? Kind of. I guess. He's a robotic car. Mm-hmm. I uh-huh. guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and okay. it was Vicky that was Small Wonder. Her Vicky name was, was Vicky. Small Wonder. Okay. All right, Erod, yeah. thanks. Thank you. All right, take care. Here's Ike on WGN. Go ahead, Ike. Hey, Nick, how's it going with you, man? All right. By, uh, by the way, speaking of short circuit, this movie reminded me so much of it. It was kind of like a like a retelling of it. It was it was it was a cool spinoff, and it took place in the eighties. So I'm, I have to go with uh, Bumblebee, uh, Transformers, the spinoff. Yeah, that's the only good Transformers movie. I I agree. That's I agree. the, I it's the only good one. one. It's the only good Absolutely. one. Absolutely. Yeah. So mm-hmm. all right, Ike. No problem. Yeah. You know why? Because Haley Steinfeld is in it, and I love her. I love her. From the from Why don't you marry her, man. I love her. I would marry her. And she can sing too. Uh, you know that uh that Edge of Seventeen, I adore that movie. I think Edge of Seventeen is one of the best coming of age movies ever made. And she's phenomenal in it. Uh here's Joe on WGN. Hey Joe. Hey Nick. And when I was a kid, there was this horrible show, but I couldn't stop watching it. It was called Space Giant. And it was oh, yeah. a big gold robot with, like, long blonde hair, and his mouth didn't move. And it's, these kids would blow a whistle, and he'd come, and he'd try to fight all these guys in, like, monster costumes. Well, those were all, uh, you know, the the Japanese TV series. They were all, like, the, yeah. the giant robots and the giant monsters. There were, you know, like, Johnny Sacco was another one. Yeah, Spectre Man, I think Ultraman yeah, Spectre Man, Man Ultraman, too, but, all of them, yeah. Yeah, they all I, just YouTube, I just YouTube an episode of it uh, just right before I called you. I couldn't stop laughing. I just thought I'd, I'd share it with you. Yeah, ridiculous. Okay, thanks, Joe. All right, man. Bye. Yeah, yeah. Those Japanese TV series are hilarious. Isn't I wonder if Inspector Gadget is on this list? He's kind of a robot. Yeah, sure. They have uh, Michael Fassbender from Prometheus. Yeah, David. David. That movie sucks. Um, you know all those uh, androids are named in or in alphabetical order. What? Ash in the Alien series, Ash Bishop, uh, Call David. Oh, I didn't know that. There's a little trivia for you. Thank you. How about Automo from Rob- RoboCop Three? What about RoboCop? RoboCop's good. Uh, Marcus Wright from Terminator Salvation. That's a, is that Sam, Sam Worthington from Terminator Salvation? I don't even remember Terminator Salvation. I remember it sucked, but yeah, that's a Sam Worthington. It wasn't just called number five. I'm, I'm looking at it now. It's Johnny five. Johnny five from, uh. From uh, short circuit. Um, they have the uh, Adam Metro Twin Cities and Zeus from Real Steel. My dad loves that movie. What Real Steel? He loves that movie. I don't know why. Loves it. 
boxing robots. It's Rock'em Sock'em it's Robots rock come sock. to life. I guess so. The Fembots from Austin Powers. <laughs> the Killbots from Chopping Mall. There we go. <laughs> Chopping Mall, man. Preying on everybody's fears of malls. I've seen that movie. Uh, I, I, it is such a stupid movie, and I love it. Chopping Mall. Sid from Virtuosity. Sid 6.7. Um, Astro Boy from Astro Boy. BB and Samantha from Deadly Friend. <laughs> Deadly Friend. That is uh, not, not the highlight of uh, Wes Craven's career. Uh, Deadly Friend. But it does have one of my favorite scenes ever in movie history. You've seen Deadly Friend, right? You've not seen Deadly Friend? No. It's about these guys, these two two teenagers who build a, a robot out of Christy Swanson. So at one point, uh, Anne, Anne Ramsey is in it, you know, from Throw Mama from the Train, and from the from the Goonies. So Anne Ramsey's in it. And at one point, you you you, you can you can look this up on YouTube. It's fantastic. At one point. Christy Swanson, the robot, whips a basketball at Ann Ramsey's head, and her head explodes. You could just 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 Google "deadly friend" basketball scene. You got to see it if you've never seen it. Christy Swanson guns a basketball at her head, and her head explodes. <laughs> it's absolutely ridiculous and hilarious. You see, you, you see, did you see it? There it is, man. <laughs> Isn't that fantastic? Whips a basketball at Ann Ramsey's head, head explodes. That's how powerful a robot Christy Swanson is and how deadly she is as a friend. All right. Uh, Robots is the topic. What are some of the more memorable ones? What are some of your favorites from TV or movies or anything? 312-981-7200. Stick to Jillio and WGN. Oh, uh, yeah. Hello. Nick DeGilio here on uh, 720 WGN. Coming up uh, later on, Know Your Onion, man. That's uh, where you got to know your onion. <laughs> We're going to ask you. We're going to be like, is this a shallot or is this an onion? Exactly. That's at 3.30, and that's uh, when we get a couple of contestants on. Tom reads off some news headlines, and you have to figure out whether it's real or from the satirical newspaper, The Onion. Classic Johnny Carson. We always play back some great audio. Gary Shandling this morning. 312-981-7200. We're talking robots. How about this? The robot spiders from Runaway. You ever see Runaway? Tom Selleck. The villain is Gene Simmons. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not making it up, man. That's a real movie. 
Runaway with Tom Selleck and Gene Simmons. <laughs> uh, let's see. I don't understand this, but this is Daddy Man. Okay, Daddy Man. What's up, Nick D? Hey. Hey, I got a robot from you from back in the day. Uh, yeah, the Tobo of the Great. Oh, sure. Yeah, that's a classic. That's a classic robot from uh, the oh, movie, yeah. movie from the 50s. Absolutely. All right, Daddy yeah. Man, take care. All right, Nick D. Yeah. <laughs> Here's Carl on WGN. Hey, Carl. Hey, Nick. Another 50s movie, uh, The Day the Earth Stood Still with Michael Rainey. Oh, oh sure. sure. Classic. classic. Court, the ro- robot. Yep. Clat 2, Barada, Nick Exactly. Yep. yep, that's it. Yeah, yeah. That's a great one. All right, thanks, thanks. Carl. Thanks. God, that remake was bad. With Keanu. Uh, here's Mike on WGN. Hey, Mike. Hey, Nick. Yeah. I don't know if this qualifies. Uh, how about Kelly LeBrock in Weird Science? Is she a robot? Um, I, you know, I'm not sure if it qualifies, but yeah. it sure, sure is pretty. They, they <laughs> design her in a computer. I know yeah. that. I, I, it's been years since I've seen Weird well, Science. Well, it sucks. That's why. Okay. <laughs> it was. I liked it. I it's thought it was all right. It's a terrible movie. I thought it was just fine. It's terrible. But they Thanks, make her Mike. computer. Yeah, they, I mean, I don't know if, she's, if that qualifies her as a robot. I mean, they did create her through a computer. They don't explain how the... the I mean, that goddamn movie sucks. Best, no, the only good thing in that movie, Weird Science, Pat, Bill Paxton. By far the best thing in that movie is Bill Paxton. He's the best thing in a lot of movies. Uh, Ken is on WGN. Hi, Ken. Hey, how you doing? Uh, I got to say Iron Giant. Oh, oh, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Kids enjoyed it. Yeah, I, I, that's a, I love that movie. I love that movie. Okay, thanks, Ken. Thanks. You know, that movie, that movie flopped when it first came out. And now it's a it's it's a classic. People consider it a classic. Best thing Vin Diesel's ever done. Well, that's because you haven't seen Fast and the Furious Seven. I have seen Fast and the Furious Seven. It's, it's amazing. It's Get great stuff here, man. It's awesome stuff. Lazo, Marada, <laughs> what was that? Army of Darkness. Oh, it was Army of Darkness. <laughs> I just every time I hear Klaatu Barada Nikto. That's yeah. what I think. <laughs> How about Jinx from Space Camp? Is that the one where uh, Walking Finks is still called Leaf? Yeah. Yeah, that had the unfortunate releasing. It came out right before the shuttle explosion. And so people were like, I'm not going to see that movie. Oh, here's a good one. TikTok from Return to Oz. I love Return to Oz. I love that movie. People hate that movie. I mean, it's probably because of the uh, the electric therapy. That's how it. That's how the movie opens. Yeah, it's a Disney movie. You can watch that. She's on getting Disney shock Plus. treatments. Feruza Balk, a very young Feruza Balk. I like it better than Wizard of Oz because I'm one of the only people that doesn't like the Wizard of Oz. But I, I think Return to Oz is great, and TikTok's a great robot. Johnny Cab from Total Recall. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Johnny Cab from Total Recall. 
that's another ridiculous movie. But I like it. I love Total Recall. It's ridiculous, but I love it. Yeah, Johnny Cab. Um, how about Amy from Red Planet? The Fix-Its from Batteries Not Included. Oh, does that movie stink? These are the little flying robots that I guess fix things. I don't. I've only seen. I, I just remember Batteries Not Included being terrible. So I don't remember much else about it, except that it's terrible. Uh, let's see. Here is uh, Doughboy. Go ahead, Doughboy. Hey, what's going on, Nick? I got a couple robots for you. About the Cylons from Battlestar Galactica. Oh yeah, sure. And uh, you got you got Twicky from uh, Buck Rogers' Twenty Fifth Century. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And then yep. uh, I was just telling uh, on Battlestar Galactic, there was like a there was like a Muppet dog, supposedly like a robot. It's like Muppet or it's a Daggett or something like that. It I looked like a robot, but it was kind of a Muppet. I don't know. I used to watch that show when I was younger, so I don't know. Yeah, I don't remember yeah, that. Yeah, Cylons and Twicky from uh, yeah from those shows. Man. Okay, man. Thanks, Doughboy. All right, All right take care. Sheila on WGN. Hi, Sheila. Hey, Nick. Look, I was thinking um, the Bionic Man and Woman, um, they were kind of robotic. And also from the show that got canceled off of, I think it came off Fox, um, it was called um, Almost Human. Um, the guy that played in the new Star Trek, McCoy, was on it. I can't remember the actor's name. But, yeah, that show. they were He was like an AI yeah. um, robot. Yeah, that was, that was real good. Uh, okay. All right. Thanks, Sheila. You're welcome. Right. Yeah, it was Carl Urban and uh, oh, Michael Carl Ely. Urban. Michael Ely. Okay. That was on for about a minute. Yeah, it's too bad. I thought it was all right. How about Holmes and Yo-Yo? You familiar with Holmes and Yo-Yo? <laughs> Tom? Uh, who? Holmes and Yo-Yo. Holmes and... Okay, you're you're shouting this at it's me. A, it's a, it was a show from the 70s. Holmes and what was it? Holmes like a, and Yo-Yo. <laughs> they, they they were it was, they were cops. Um, Holmes and then Yo-Yo was a robot played by John Shuck. I can't remember who played Holmes. Look up Holmes and Yo-Yo. It was an ABC show, and John Shuck was Yo-Yo, and he was a robot. <laughs> Richard B. Shull. Yeah, Richard B. Shull. Played Holmes. Holmes and Yo Yo. <laughs> I watched that show all the time. I watched it. I, I, I was only on, I think, for one season or something. But I watched every episode of it. Uh, how about the, the, the Sleeper robots from Sleeper, the Woody Allen movie? Um, the Fembots. From Dr. Goldfoot and the Bikini Machine. <laughs> Dr. Goldfoot and the machine and the bikini machine. I think I was in that band. Wow. Used to play the keys. Percy Buford and more from Ice Pirates. Remember Ice Pirates? Well, um Robert Urich was in it. Box from Logan's Run. I was never a Logan's Run person. Um, 
I saw it when I was a kid. I was like 11 or something when that movie came out, so I thought it was really cool. But my favorite description of it comes from the great Dave Kerr. Um, used to write for the Tribune here, film critic, now lives in New York. Um, his review his review of Logan's Run is hilarious. It, you, you can look it up because the, the reader has it archived. I'm paraphrasing, but he says, uh, yeah, if you look up Dave Kerr, Logan's Run review. But um, he says, according to, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, we'll get the, hopefully we'll be able to find the, the actual review, but he said something like, t- that um, according to this movie, movie the future looks like Woodfield. <laughs> Which is, I, I, is it, cr- it cracks me up every time. Every time. Yeah. So, did you, were you able to find it? You said it was, uh, yeah, oh, here we go. Yeah, Logan's Run review from the reader. Wow. <laughs> so it's just... Just uh, just a paragraph. Real, read the whole thing, because he hated uh, it. If I remember correctly, he hated it. He did. Uh, flatulent 1976 <laughs> science fiction. <laughs> He's so great. <laughs> With Michael York running away from the standard line 23rd century repressive society, this one looks a lot like Woodfield with futuristic <laughs> touches such as miniskirts and monorails, a numbing combination of sloppy writing, vulgar art direction, high school acting, and bungled special effects. In short, par for the course for venerable hack Michael Anderson. Yeah, director Michael Anderson. <laughs> Boy, he was brutal on that one. Yeah, jeez. Woodfield. That's the that's the that's the one thing that I always remember when I first read the when I first read the uh, the review. Tell us how you really feel, Dave. Uh, yeah. Well, when he would rip a movie apart, he would rip a movie apart. Um, Proteus Four from Demon Seed. Demon Seed with Julie Christie. She gets impregnated by a robot. Uh, how about the spider robots from Minority Report? Oh, cool. That is such a good movie, Minority Report. Um, how about the Annihilatons? Or the Iron Mechanical Men from Flash Gordon in 1936 serial. Vision from the Avengers Age of Ultron. Yeah, Paul Bettany. Paul Bettany. That movie sucked. They all do. No, they don't. No, they don't. Don't count me a fan. I'll say that. No, the don't last one was the last one was pretty great. And if you're going, you know, if you're talking Avengers, you got to talk about Logan because that's the that's by far the best movie that features any of that stuff. Uh, the giant robots from Sky Captain in the World from of Tomorrow. Man, did that thing bomb! That was a huge bomb. All right, uh, all right. Let's take a uh, let's take a quick break, and uh, we're talking robots. And if you want to jump in. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. 312-981-7200. 312-981-7200. What are some of the more memorable robots that you remember? All right. 312-981-7200.
right. Hello, Nick DeGilio here on 720 WGN. Here until uh, 4 o'clock, coming up at 2.30, some classic Johnny Carson bits. Uh, we usually play uh, some stand-up or some sketches or some interviews, but we got some stand-up from the great Gary Shandling coming up from 1983. And get ready to know your onion. That's coming up later, too. 312-981-7200. And the news is next from the Northwestern Medicine Newsroom. Okay, we're talking robots. I'm not quite sure how we got onto this topic, but we're talking some of uh, some of the best robots ever and some of the more memorable ones. Here's Dave on WGN. Go ahead, Dave. Hey, Nick. I'm thinking of a top 40 song on the radio from 67 or 68. It's called I Am Mechanical Man. Oh, yeah. You know that? I do. I know yeah. that song. Yep. I know that song. <laughs> yeah. All right. Okay. Thanks, Dave. Yeah. Speaking of songs, how about Mr. Roboto? From uh, Styx, Mr. Roboto. Here's Shelly on WGN. Hi, Shelly. Hello, Nick. How about the magnificently, constantly depressed robot Marvin from The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Oh, yeah. True love. That's a great one. That is a great one. Have a wonderful night, okay, guys. Okay, thanks, Shelly. Bye. Oh, Hitchhiker's Guide. Oh, man. I love those books. And I thought the movie version from, like, the mid-2000s was good. And I know it, it, it didn't do very well and it didn't receive a lot of love, but I was a fan of it. I liked it. Um, how about the alien robots from The Earth Dies Screaming? <laughs> from 1964 the earth dies screaming that's a that's a pretty great uh title the sentinels from the matrix oh yeah scary scary um david becker and jessica from screamers It's uh, Peter Weller was in that. So yeah, Screamers. That was a, that was a pretty terrible movie, but I like Peter Weller. Necron ninety nine slash Peace from Wizards, nineteen seventy seven Ralph Bakshi movie. Um, Beta from the Last Starfighter. You fan of the Last Starfighter? Not particularly. That was fine. It's cool. Very eighties. Very. I, that I, honestly, that's what it has going for it. Is that it's just so of it its is own time. Unbelievably eighties. Dot Matrix from Spaceballs. <laughs> that's another movie I don't think is funny that everybody else loves. What? I don't think Spaceballs is funny. I think it's. I, 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 I don't think it's funny. Well, I, I love Mel Brooks. But. I think it's. I think it's because you're not really a big fan of Star Wars, and like. Or, yeah, I guess. Oh come on! The the combing the desert. Well, that's the that's the funniest <laughs> that's the funniest scene in the whole movie. <laughs> that's the funniest scene in the whole movie. Oh, and the the bit with the VHS tape. No, well, that's also good too. Yeah, okay. I'm, yeah. I'm, okay. Um, but everything else. Michael in it. Win- Michael Winslow. We got the sweeps, the beeps, and the creeps. I don't even remember that. All right, let me pull that up for you. I remember the I remember the bit. I thought the bit was really clever where they had the video. Actually, all of the stuff that in, that was about marketing, you know, the marketing jokes, because obviously Star Wars 
the marketing of Star Wars and the products and the tie-ins were so insane. That's the, that's the most clever stuff in the movie. We can't play the combing the desert thing on the air. No, but and that that one's very of its time. It's that that is it's the biggest laugh in the movie. Funny. It's the biggest laugh in the movie. Let me let me give you a little Michael Winslow here. All right. Control with the radar, sir. What's wrong with it? I've lost the bleeps. I've lost the sweeps, and I've lost the creeps. The what? The what? And the what? You know the bleeps. The sweeps. And the creeps. That's not all he's lost. Come on, Michael Winslow's funny. He's doing all the sounds. And you know, they, Michael Winslow, obviously best known from the Police Academy movies. Um, that's all that guy does, though. That's it. That's his whole shtick. I mean, he's good at it. You know, I mean, he, he does really impressive. He makes impressive sounds with his mouth. I will say that. <laughs> Limited career, though. All right, here's Beth on WGN. Hi, Beth. Good evening, Nick. I mean, good morning, Nick. Yeah. Um, I was thinking about Jaime from Get Smart. Oh, sure. Yeah. There's a, there's a, there's and a, also, I didn't get Spaceballs until he just said something about Star Wars, and now it's just the longest Saturday Night Live sketch ever. Yeah, well, I mean, it's it was just, you know, it was also, here's the thing about Spaceballs, another thing about Beth, thanks for the call. Um, came out way too late. He did a, it came out like in 87. Yeah. Uh. Jedi was 83. Star Wars was 77. So he was late to the game on that one. You know? But, I mean, you know, listen. It's not like he... Because that's his... That's I think that's his bread and butter. Mel Gibson. Mel Gibson. Mel, Mel, uh, Mel Brooks. Mel Brooks. Bread and butter. Because you look... You know, you got a satire of Westerns. Didn't come out to the 70s. No, I know. But I'm saying... There were Westerns in the 70s. Uh, yeah. It was a satire. It was a satire of, of of westerns, and Young Frankenstein is brilliant. Satire of the Universal monster yeah. movies. Uh, what's what's the silent movie? Silent movie. Yep. Robin Hood Men in Tights. I oh, mean, they're all god. Satire. Robin Hood Men in Tights. I <laughs> I like Robin Hood Men oh, in Tights. Oh god. Or uh, you know what movie I love that he that he made that no one likes or has seen? Life stinks. Have you ever seen Life Stinks? It's a really really funny movie. And it's not a particularly, you know, narrow satire of a of a genre like the other ones. But Life Stinks is a very very funny movie. Uh, how about the Autobots and the Decepticons from the Transformer movies? Um, you got Ava from Ex Machina. Man, this is a good movie. Alex Garland, man, he's the, he's the deal. Alex Garland, such a good filmmaker. Huey, Dewey, and Louie from Silent Running. That's a really good movie, and weird. Um, how about this? How about, how about this one? Evil robot uses and good robot uses from Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. <laughs> <laughs> oh man robot police from uh, THX 1138 George Lucas is a first movie uh, what about Ghost in the Shell 
Uh, oh, here you go. From your favorite, Tom. Tars and Case from Interstellar. <laughs> I, w- I would love... I, if you could give, give me a page. Give me a single-spaced, a single-spaced page-long essay as to why that movie is good. It's not good. It's great. Oh, my God. It's great. It's great. And I think it's probably my favorite Nolan movie. Love is a force that transcends dimensions. Okay. It's a great movie. Great movie. McConaughey's awesome in it. We got to get off Earth, man. And uh, Anne Hathaway. Man, we got to go into space. That movie kills me. I mean, I, I, I ball my eyes out during that movie, during the end, the end of that movie. That's the thing about space travel. It's great. My daughter gets older, but I stay the same age. That's right. Ellen Burstyn, man. That scene kills me every time. Here's Tom on WGN. Hi, Tom. Hey, good morning, Nicholas. Um, the uh, scene in uh, Spaceballs where uh, the the, uh, the creature breaks out of uh, John Hurt's chest and starts saying, Hello, my darling. Oh, that's right. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I totally forgot about that scene. I totally forgot about that scene. See, you're remembering all these scenes, and, you say, and then you say the movie's not funny. It's not funny. <laughs> I'm with you, Tom. <laughs> it's not funny. It's not. It's it's one of Mel Brooks's worst movies. I think he's made some bad. Robin Hood Men in Tights is a really terrible movie. But I'm, I like Life Stinks. Two people have seen it. Um, how about the Sentinels from X Men: Days of Future Past? That's another good movie. Uh, the Omnidroids from The Incredibles. Oh, here's a good one. The Stepford Wives. <laughs> yeah, the Stepford Wives, man. That's great robot work right there. Uh, Baymax from Big Hero 6. The Gunslinger from Westworld. That's what he was known as. He was just known as the Gunslinger. Yeah, gunslinger. Yule Brenner. Yep. Uh, here's Trucker Rich. Go ahead, Rich. Hey, good evening, Nick. Hey, a real robot uh, guy built this thing called Megasaurus, and it kind of looks like a robot uh, Tyrannosaurus Rex that he takes around to, like, monster truck shows, and it'll pick up cars and chomp them in half in its jaws and blow fire out its nose oh, yeah, and I've, mouth. Oh, yeah, I've, I've seen it. At, uh, I've seen it. They, they, they would uh, do it at stock car races and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so that's a real-life robot. Yep. That could wreak havoc if you could get a hold of it and just have fun in a traffic jam. Sure. All right. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Rich. Uh, yep. Have a good evening. All right. Oh, my God. It breathes fire. Yeah. This is the greatest thing ever invented. Oh, you've never seen it? No. Oh, I man. Don't, I don't go to a lot of... I I want to go to a, mo- uh, a monster truck rally. I've never gotten to go. Oh, it's awesome. Because they do it over at the Allstate. I know they've done it there before. Oh, no. It's awesome. It I, like went to one, I went to one at Madison Square Garden. What? Yeah. God. I want to see the Gravedigger, man. It was awesome. That's what I want. Gravedigger, great song by uh, Dave Matthews. Um, Ultron from the Avengers Age of Ultron. Wait, did you just sneak in a Dave Matthews? I did. Out of here. Come We're, on. You can't say Gravedigger and not mention Dave Matthews. Um. Oh, they do count. They they do counter as a robot. Uh, weird science. Yeah, I think it's because she's a designed by a computer. Lisa was her name. Who were the two leads? It was Anthony Michael Hall. And Ian Mitchell Smith. Ian Mitchell Smith. Whatever happened to him? Whatever happened to either of them, really? Well, Anthony Michael Hall's still around. 
He's still around, but yeah. when's the last time he was in anything? Um, pretty recently, actually. Really? Yeah. I'll have to. I'll you, have ever, to you, ever, you ever watch the the Dead Zone? Yeah, the, yeah the TV yeah. series. He was terrific on that. Yeah. So, I like Anthony Michael Hall. Always have. Except for that one interview. Yeah, when he with was, Roy. He was, he was loaded. <laughs> Roy Leonard was like not having it. Listening to Prince on his headphones. Yep. <laughs> he was putting the headphones up to the mic. He's like, "Here, man, you got to listen to this." Yeah, he was. He was gone. I, and that was for uh, Johnny Be Good. He was promoting, which is an awful but incredibly watchable, terrible movie. Tough break. Tough break, Anthony Michael yeah. Hall. All right. Uh, let's hit the news here on 720 WGN. Ain't no woman like the one I've got. Ain't no woman like the one I've got. Yeah. Every day the sun. Nick DeGilio here on 720 WGN, uh, live in the Skyline studio here until 4 o'clock. 4 o'clock, we head over to uh, Bradley Place, the uh, TV side of WGN, get some news and information from that group group of people, and then uh, back here at 5 o'clock for the, uh, for the great Bob Surratt. Um, and uh, coming up, uh, Know Your Onion at 3.30. Take the first two callers, and... Uh, Tom will read off some uh, news headlines, and you have to figure out whether they're real or they're from the satirical newspaper, The Onion. Coming up in just a little bit here at 2.30, classic Johnny Carson. Every uh, weekday morning at 2.30, we play back some great Johnny Carson. You can watch the Johnny Carson show every night on Antenna TV. So we like to play back some bits, some stand-ups, sketches, interviews. Gary Shandling will be featured from 1983 this morning. Um, We've been talking robots. How about Jet Jaguar from uh, Godzilla vs. Megalon? Classic. Mm-hmm. I mean, really Mecha Godzilla, though. Yeah. I mean, though he's not a robot because he's not autonomous. He's controlled. Right. So maybe not. But there's some good stuff. There's some good robots in uh, in the Godzilla movies. Oh, yeah. Some great robots. They do great They do great robot stuff in Japan. We were just talking about those, the, the TV shows. Mm-hmm. You know, out of there. I might have to pick up. They remastered all the Ultraman stuff. Oh, they. Have? I might have to. I might have to get some Ultraman because I was huge into Ultraman. Oh yeah, great. Oh yeah, it's great. Um, how about the Borg from Star Trek: First Contact? Uh, yeah, resistance is futile. Yeah, assimilate. Um, Wally and Eva from uh, from Wally. I love that movie so much. I'm. I'll say this: I'm not a huge fan of the third act. It's pretty good, but like the first, the first like hour of that movie, great, perfect. Yeah, last thirty minutes. I. I it's okay. I love. It's the, I love it. It's my favorite. It's my favorite uh, Pixar movie. Uh, you got Rachel Pris, Leon Kowalski, and Zora from Blade Runner. Yeah. Yep. Um, Pacific Rim. Mecha Godzilla. They just they mentioned Mecha Godzilla. I, I, but a robot is is autonomous. That's the only thing. Mm-hmm. It has to have its own. It has to think on its by itself. 
How about the? We uh, can't believe I we didn't. Uh, the Cambot, Gypsy, Tom Servo, and Crow. <laughs> MST3K. Absolutely. That sh- God, what a great show! Oh, please. C3PO from Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Lieutenant Commander Data from yeah. Star Trek. Brett Spiner. Um, RoboCop slash Alex Murphy. RoboCop. Ash from Alien comes in at number 11. A little low. Uh, A little low. Here's the top 10. Okay. T-1000 from Terminator 2. (sighs) Yeah. Robert Patrick. Yep. Terrifying. Maria Futura from Metropolis. Classic. Fritz Lang. Yep. Um, The Tin Man from The Wizard of Oz. Is he a robot? Yeah. But he's not, like, mechanized. He's just a a man of tin. Yeah, but he needs a heart. Doesn't have a heart. That's true. He has gears. He does have gears. Bishop from Aliens. Oh, my buddy Lance. (laughs) Hey, man, what are you doing? (laughs) Why don't you put her in charge? (laughs) Game over, man. What the hell are we supposed to do now? (laughs) All that stuff was improvised, by the way. Really? By Bill Paxton? Absolutely. Oh, jeez. Why don't you put her in charge? That's my favorite. (laughs) The T-800 from Terminator. I mean, yeah. Arnold. Yeah. Uh, Robbie the Robot, Forbidden Planet. One of the most iconic robots of all time, as we mentioned before. R2-D2 from Star Wars comes in at number four. Number three is Gort from The Day the Earth Stood Still. Number two is the Iron Giant from the Iron Giant. And number one. Oh. They uh save number one. Uh Tom, you ready for what they what they have number one on the list? How nine thousand. No. How nine thousand. No? No. Roy Batty from Blade Runner. Please. <laughs> Making the right choice. Yep. Where is it where where was this article from? Uh, paste, paste magazine. Yeah, making making the tough choice to go with Roy Batty. I want more life. Yeah. Well, you can't say what he says after Boy, that. Yeah, no, I can't. Uh, as he, as he gouges out the eyes. And of again, creator. you know what, what you you know the tears in the rain thing was improvised. Yeah, but he wrote that. Rutger Howard wrote sea that. beams off the townhouse at the at the that and it's so beautiful and he wrote it like tears yeah. in the rain. Yeah. <sighs> Oh, I miss Roy. I miss Rutger Hauer. Yeah, God, he was great. Man, Blade Runner's a good movie. Hitchhiker's on, uh, or the is it, it the Hitcher. Hitcher? The Hitcher, pardon me. The yeah. Hitcher's on HBO right now. Not not, I, not, not the stupid remake. With no, Sean not the sh- Bean. Sean Bean. <laughs> no, the actual one was him and C. Thomas Howell. It's a great movie. Uh, here's Rich on WGN. Hi, Rich. Hi, Nick. How you doing? Today? All right. All right. What's up? Um, I got a, a couple obscure robots, but they're still worth mentioning. Um, from Terminator, even though RoboCop is great, um, I thought the Ed 2000 was a pretty special robot. Oh, sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of yeah. relief. And then there was a very obscure one from the Jetsons that I've never forgotten. It was called Uniblab. I don't remember that. Do you recall? He was like a sick of fan. He was kind of a Smithers, but he was he an was assistant of Space League to make their 
Oh, Hustle. okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. Brandon I know, I know Coker, what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Luck. yeah. He, he narked on George and right. recorded him. <laughs> Very funny robot. Yeah. I've never yeah. forgotten it. Okay. All right, Rich. Thanks, buddy. Yep. Okay. Bye. So we've got some uh, f- uh, failed inventions that were ahead of their time. To- ahead of their time. Here, that we're going to get into. Three one two nine eight one seven two hundred is the phone number. What do you think are some of the coolest inventions, and some that were way ahead of their time? If you want to jump in, phone lines are open at three one two nine eight one seven two hundred. Nick DeGilio here on 720 WGN. We're live in the Skyline studio. We're here until 4. Coming up, we're going to talk about stupid legal defenses um, and and, uh, much more. We've got some uh, failed inventions that were actually ahead of their time. And at 2.30, we play back some classic Johnny Carson from the Johnny Carson Show, which you can watch every night on Antenna TV. And we got some stand-up from the great... Gary Shandling, that we'll play back to make you laugh on this Wednesday morning. 312-981-7200. What were some of the cooler, uh, cool inventions that you remember that made an impact? Here's Tom on WGN. Hey, Tom. Tom? Yes. You're on the uh, air. Uh, yes. Uh, I was going to say the uh, either the Polaroid or the Kodak instant camera where the film would develop right in front of you. Mm-hmm. And... The reason why I don't think it it, it took because a lot of you know, people are enthusiasts are still they still wanted to you know go through the process of having developed or you know or adjust the uh, the fineness of the picture or something. That's probably why it didn't last. Well, it was it was hot for a while. Polaroid Instamatic yeah. cameras were they were they were big for a while, especially in the seventies. Yeah. So but I think people went back to kind of wanting to uh, you know take pictures that were. That they could they could control the uh, the image a little better. Right. Know? Yeah, that's probably true. All right, Tom. Thanks. You're welcome. Yep. You know they're back in a big way. Why? Because uh, people like the look of it. Like it has a very specific vintage sort of look. I love the look of a Polaroid. Yeah. I think it's got a nice look to it. Isn't there like a isn't there like a filter on your phone that you can do that with? Yeah, but you get you get the physical product, you know, All and right. then you take it and you. You shake it. Like You're not you, supposed to shake it. I know. It. It's not going to make it develop any faster. Right. You're supposed to leave it, but uh, I was half Outcast fun. is responsible for bringing that back. <laughs> shake it like a Polaroid picture. <laughs> <laughs> oh, songs you couldn't escape. Oh, it's a, I don't care. I love that. I, that whole album rules. That whole album, both of them, rules. So, but yeah, we had a, we had a, 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 a Polaroid. We definitely, in, in my family. Definitely. I remember when I was in grade school, we used to have this thing called Meerkat Mall. And it was a project that third graders did every year where you would come up with a product and you'd have to sell it at the Meerkat Mall. It's like our mascot was the Meerkat. And mine was, I took my my mom's old Polaroid. and The camera? Yeah. 
and took pictures of everybody and made yearbooks out of Polaroids. This is in 2003. People were like, what is this? Wow. What's up with these pictures? They look weird. Yeah. They're Polaroids. I'm trying to remember. Yeah. We had, we had, we had, I think we had a few different over the years. We had a few different Polaroid uh, cameras, but they were, they were huge in the seventies. Everybody had a, everybody had a Polaroid camera. Uh, we're talking about inventions that really took off that are memorable. 312-981-7200. That's the Team Hochberg phone line. 312-981-7200. By way of introduction for the inventions that were ahead of their time, just imagine you've got the perfect idea for the next big thing. You've done your research and you've got the funding. But the business fails. Only to be replicated successfully a few years later when the market was ready for it. We're going to chart some inventions that didn't take off when they were launched, but are now seen as influential, perhaps providing the basis for future technology and proving that timing is basically everything. So these are inventions that didn't uh, do well. They failed. But years later, you found out that they were ahead of their time. Uh, If you want to jump up with uh, some of your favorite, uh, most memorable inventions and stuff like that, at 312-981-7200. How about the Microsoft Tablet? Who knew that Microsoft actually invented the tablet a decade before Apple? At the turn of the century, Bill Gates predicted that his tablet would be the most popular form of PC sold in America within five years, only to have it uh, die a death soon after. The main issue was that Microsoft uh, envisaged their tablet to replace the desktop as the customer's main use computer. It was designed... Uh, with the same operating system as a PC and had a price tag to match at around $2,000. $2,000 for a tablet? My God. Uh, Apple came along later, uh, designed their tablet with a different operating system, look and feel, realizing that it couldn't replace a laptop or a computer, but would be an additional product. Steve Jobs did some things better than I did, reflected uh, Bill Gates. His timing in terms of when it came out, the engineering work, just the package that they put together. The tablets we had done before weren't as thin and they weren't as attractive. Oh. I have a tablet at home. What, an iPad? Uh, No. Oh, something else. A little Samsung or something? It's a Samsung. A little Samsung? Yeah. You like the tablet thing? Better than maybe uh, having a computer? Yeah. I mean, I don't use it as much as I did before I got the fancy phone. Because now the phone is a tablet, essentially. You know what I mean? You go and look something up online or something, you just grab your phone. Uh, Thomas Edison's electric pen. The genius Thomas Edison held... 1,093 patents. Holy cow, I didn't know that. Almost 1,100 patents. He invented the incandescent light bulb, one of the first motion picture cameras, and in 1875, the electric pen. The pen, plugged into a battery, made small holes in the paper as you wrote. The idea was that it was easy to make copies by rolling ink over the original, which would go through the holes. 
Uh, the pen didn't sell well enough, so Edison sold the patent to Albert Blake Dick, who merchandised it and turned it into the mimeograph, which was the first standard office copying machine. Later, the idea of the pen was taken and combined with an ink depositor to make a tattoo gun. Wow. All right. The video phone. Facebook logged over 17 billion video calls in 2017, and Skype was reported to have 300 million actively, active monthly users the same year. Add to this Apple FaceTime, Google Hangouts, and uh, all the other video calling and conferencing software that's being used with very large numbers. They would no doubt totally impress and perplex the makers of the AT&T Picture Phone, which had its first public unveiling in 1964 at their exhibit at Disneyland in California. Um, the company tried and failed to launch the product again and again throughout the rest of the century, putting it down to the product being too intrusive, expensive, and not good enough quality. As webcams started to become mainstream on computers, we found that the ease of use and price were big factors in the original shortcomings of the video phone, but actually that people were not afraid to be seen. Video phone. Can you believe that? Like, we're basically living in Star Trek right now in terms of... <laughs> what, beaming beaming me up? Well, not yet. We'll get there. I fully, I fully believe we can get to instantaneous teleportation someday yeah but i mean like just don't get in there with a fly yeah <laughs> otherwise you won't have any fingernails left oh man but like you know you, you have a device in your pocket that you can look at someone and hold a full conversation with and we don't we don't really think twice about it anymore yeah it's mir- miraculous miraculous yeah it i mean you know what what the what the what these phones can do nowadays is just crazy. Um, you know, um, I didn't get um, I didn't get a cell phone until two thousand seven. That was my first cell phone. My first smartphone was two thousand thirteen. No, the only reason I got a cell phone in two thousand seven was because I was moving in with my girlfriend and she didn't have a landline. So I had to get a cell phone. I held out for as long as I could. It was funny because I was directing a lot of plays at that time. And um, everybody had, you know, everybody had cell phones. Yeah, it was 2007. Except for me. And people were like, you need to get a cell phone. I'm like, no. Yeah, grow up. I don't want one. Yeah. And then the smartphone, 2013 was my first smartphone. Because I, I had the, I had the uh, you know, the, uh, the the clamshell, whatever, phone. Oh, a Razor? No, the, it was, a, you know, but it was a flip phone. I had okay, a flip, flip phone. phone. Okay. I had a flip phone until 2013. I had a flip phone until 2013. Then I got a smartphone. <laughs> yeah, so the year the iPhone debuted... You finally decided maybe it's time to get a cell phone. I guess. Yeah. Well, like I said, 
I probably wouldn't have gotten one in 2007 if I wasn't moving in with my with my girlfriend at the time who didn't have a landline. So, but yeah, I remember making people angry at the factory because I didn't have one. People would get actively mad at me because I didn't when have trying phone. to get a hold of you. Yeah, and if you weren't at home, it was like oh, too bad. Yeah, if they're going to be late to rehearsal or something, you know, they would have to call somebody in the cast. They would have to call somebody. Could you tell Nick I'm going to be late for rehearsal because the idiot doesn't have a cell phone? So, but the video phone, man, 1964. That's that's, that's weird. That's to think unbelievable. About. That's weird. To that think was a year about. before I was born. That's a, that was a long time ago, man. Way ahead of its time. That's an invention that was way ahead of its time. And now we have one in our pockets at all t- <laughs> at all times. And we can talk to it, and it has a name. Yeah. All right. Okay, uh, let's take a quick break. We'll come back and uh, we'll talk more about some uh, inventions that were way ahead of their time, but they failed the first time out. We also have stupid legal defenses that we're going to get to. Uh, But we're going to break here, and when we come back, um, we always play some classic Johnny Carson. You can watch the Johnny Carson show on Antenna TV, and we're going to hear some stand-up from the late, great, brilliant Gary Shandling. And that's coming up after this. Nick DeGilio here on 720 WGN. So those idiot uh, guys are on TV. The Impractical Jokers? Yeah. They're playing practical jokes on people in a grocery store. It's hilarious. Hmm. (laughs) If, If they only had the edge that the guys from Jackass did. Yeah. I, one of the reasons why I, I like uh, I, one of the reasons why I love Jackass so much is because they, you know, they would hurt each other. <laughs> Although I still think one of my favorites is when they're on the golf course with, with the a, with the with, with the, the air horn. Yeah, or yeah, yeah. The oh air my horn. god, the guy chucks a nine iron. Oh, it's straight, hilarious! Straight into the bushes. It's that is hilarious, but. Or uh, another favorite is the is when they're in the bull, the rodeo ring and they're on the teeter the two the four man teeter totter. Yeah, I've never had more anxiety in my life. No, it's crazy. I thought I thought I thought Knoxville was going to die. Yeah, I always think they're all well. Die. Yeah, I know it's <laughs> shooting bottle rockets out of their butts. <laughs> <laughs> I unapologetically love jackass medicine ball dodgeball in oh. the dark. I love I love it. I absolutely love it. I I loved it from the very first episode when it first came on. It's like this is the funniest thing I've ever seen. These guys are morons. <laughs> and it's so aptly titled too. Oh yeah. Jackass. Uh all right. Um it's Nick DeGilio here on 720 WGN. We're going to get back to talking about some inventions that were way ahead of their time and failed when they first came out. Um, but we always play some comedy. You know, you can watch the Johnny Carson show on Antenna TV every night. And we love to play comedy from the Carson show, whether it be like a sketch or an interview or some stand-up. And uh, we've got some stand-up this, this morning from one of the best, um, one of my favorites of all time, and uh, taken from us too soon. Um, 
1983, this is Gary Shandling. My next guest, uh, Gary Shandling is here tonight. He is one of the uh, brighter young comedians that's emerged uh, in the past several years. Uh, he's currently appearing at the Universal Amphitheater in Los Angeles with Donna Summer. And he's going to be opening for Joan Rivers at the Oakdale, uh, Oakdale Music Theater in Wallingford, Connecticut, August 5th and 7th. And then he's going to tour with uh, Melissa Manchester for a week starting August the 8th. Would you welcome Gary Shandling? Gary yeah. Thank you, sir. I, uh, I'm happy to be here. How many of you have uh, seen me before? Applaud. People have seen me before. Great. Well, great. There goes that material. I, uh, no, actually, I, I write every day, and uh, I keep my material fresh, so it's all right. So, uh, what do you think about this Watergate thing? Boy, that was... I, uh... I, I'd actually... I don't, uh... <laughs> I don't talk much about current events because uh, I don't get the newspaper anymore because my neighbor just moved. And uh, I, I, have, I have a new house. I'm a homeowner, which is very weird, but it's great because I can decorate it the way I want to, not like my folks. You know, my, I, my folks have a bowl of wax fruit on their coffee table. I guess this is in case some mannequins come over. <laughs> I'm not eating this junk. I, I just uh, saw my folks, and uh, my dad gets grosser each year. I don't know what's... Is your dad like that? I'm talking to my dad. He'll take his car keys out of his pocket and stick them in his ear. And I'm going, are you starting your head or what, Dad? He said, I must be, son. I'm backfiring here. And then he wears this uh, summer outfit now. Does your dad have the summer outfit? Plaid golf cap, white tank top t-shirt, plaid Bermuda shorts. He looks like a thermos, basically, from a distance. I bought him a pair of bikini underwear for Father's Day. I swear to you, it's gross. He, you, I didn't realize you don't want to see your dad in bikini underwear. Am I right? He thinks he looks like John Travolta in these things. He looks like Ed Asner, basically. You know, it's great. They don't even fit him. I'm going, both legs have to go in there, Dad. You want to see your dad in boxer shorts. That's a dad's uniform, am I right? The old loose ones where he turns quick, but they stay right where they are. And they get higher each year. It's like the rings on a tree. You can tell how old your dad is by where the elastic band mark. It's a weird... He's a... He's a funny man. He likes to hunt, but he won't use a gun or a rifle, so he takes the Buick down to a deer crossing and waits. <laughs> this is a good spot, son. You know, he's got a scope on the dashboard of the car. <laughs> he won't have guns or rifles in the house. One time someone broke in and he yelled, Someone's in the house! Get the car! <laughs> I, uh, so... I have this new, I have this new house, I have moths in my house, I have actually holes in my underwear for moths. I mean, you would think there would be certain garments, even moths wouldn't eat. You, you would think they would go underwear, no, uh, give it to Mikey. I, uh, well, how do they, do they open, how do they get in the drawer? Do they open the drawer? Has anyone ever seen this happen? Do, do they all get on the handle and flap real hard? going on there so anyway so i'm happy i'm like getting older i'm i'm still single those of you who have seen me before know this is like a condition basically i i, I did go out this is great i went out with miss georgia uh recently uh actually former miss georgia but uh 
All right, it was George Foreman. But, uh... uh what's the difference? So, so, no, this is a true story. I met Miss Georgia at the Miss America contest. I, I swear to you, and she wore her crown on our date. I mean, I'm serious. And people are looking at us going, is this chick eating too much margarine or what? <laughs> and she's sitting on the hood of the car waving at people. You know, I'm going, get in the car. And, uh... So, we go... I'm telling you all about my life. So, we go to the movies, right? Now, I always embarrass myself with the movies. Is that true? When I save a seat for somebody, I hang my jacket up on their chair so it looks like someone's sitting there, right? You don't have to be assertive. Am I right? It's great. So last week, eight friends of mine said, go down, save our seats for us, right? So I'm sitting there nude, right? And, uh, you know, people are coming up to me going, is that seat with the underwear uh, taken? I said, yeah. He said, oh, you have moths. <laughs> I said, yeah. Do you know how they get in the drawer? I... So... Here's the good part. So I get her home, right? So we go home, and there's always that sexual tension when you're dating, right? I mean, I think, and I think I've heard every excuse for a woman not going to bed with me. I, I, I remember this one girl actually said, uh, look, uh, not with this Falkland Island thing. Uh, <laughs> uh, I said, that was over a year ago. She said, I haven't gotten over it yet. I said, well, I can understand that, Mrs. Thatcher. I... I can understand that. So... Actually... Actually, I'm great in bed. I... No, I never fall out. I... I... I have guardrails. I have a hospital bed, basically. I have a mirror above my bed, and on it it says, Objects are larger than they appear. But there's that awkwardness, so you go out, right? So you're there with the girl, and you don't know whether to make the move. You guys know what I mean. And the woman never gives you a signal, right? And you need a clear signal. I need a woman with flashlights going. God, he was so funny. Oh, Gary Shandling. You ever binge a uh, Larry Sanders show? Yeah. Oh, just brilliant. Ridiculous stuff. Brilliant. Huge lasting influence on uh, television comedy. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. Because yeah. cur- Curb Your Enthusiasm doesn't happen without no. that because it's set up such that, such that dry sense of humor. Yeah. And Rip Torn. Come on, man. Here, have another salty dog. <laughs> another salty dog. <laughs> I want to find out what the ingredients of a salty dog is. Why don't you Google it? Oh, yeah, that's a good point. The computer right there. I'm aware. I'm aware. Yeah, you can just Google salty dog ingredients. It's got to be a pretty strong drink if Rip Torn was drinking it. Wow, I thought it was one that they made up for the show, but it's real. Yeah. Uh, Gin or vodka and grapefruit juice served in a highball with a salted rim. (laughs) It was famously a favorite drink of Artie, yeah. the producer played by Rip Torn. <laughs> All right, try another salty dog. <laughs> yeah, and then the 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 um, the Gary it's Chandling show that was on that was on uh, that was on Fox. That also was a was a, a a way ahead of its time, and nobody really watched it. And it also had you ever hear the theme song? Yeah. From the Gary Shandling yeah, show? Yeah. 
Find find the theme song from the Gary Shandling show. Not not Larry Sanders, the Gary Shandling show. Because it's 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 pretty pretty hilarious. But yeah, Gary Shandling, man, he was one of my favorites, truly. And that set that he just that we just played killed. It's so great. Who is that? It's somebody. It's somebody. It's a famous musician. This is my favorite one. This is. Um, I can't remember who I can't remember who it is, but it was it's somebody who you know who had who actually had a music career, just didn't do. You know, uh, TV themes. But yeah, Gary Shandling. He was so funny. All right, uh, we're going to get back to talking about uh, inventions that were ahead of their time and uh, that failed. Hello, Nick DeGilio here on 720 WGN. We're live in the uh, Skyline studio here until uh, 4 o'clock. Uh, we're going to be talking about some stupid legal defenses <laughs> uh, coming up. And if you want to join us at any time, it's 312-981-7200 on the uh, Team Hockburn phone line. Uh, the news is next from the Northwestern Medicine Newsroom. Okay, we've been talking about in, uh, inventions that were ahead of their time. And failed, but then eventually became like we were talking. We were just talking about the video phone. Failed in 1964. Was released a few more times. Didn't uh, didn't go over well. But now that's we all have one in our pocket. How about the Xerox Alto? The Xerox Alto. Um, hey, by the way, you remember when we were talking about? Um, Name brands that have become the, you know, like Kleenex. Yeah, yeah. Xerox. Xerox. But when's the last time someone has used that Xerox? Used Xerox? Like as a as a, as a phrase, like, oh, go Xerox that for me. I don't know. I don't think Xerox is, because it was, that was copiers, right? Xerox. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. I mean, now every every printer is also a copier, so you just say, oh, go copy that for me. Yeah. Xerox, though. Big deal. The Xerox Alto was the first ever computer launched in 1973, but it had no commercial success. It is still credited as paving the way for the information technology industry today, but it is one school of thought that Xerox spent too much time and money on research and inventions and not enough on innovation and commercialization, something that Apple is renowned to do well. They do, they do, do that well. 
Um, Alto is the direct ancestor of today's personal computers, says Tom Ho, a computer historian. It provided the model, GUI, Windows, high-resolution screen, Ethernet, mouse, etc., that the computer industry spent the next 15 years catching up to. The Xerox Alto. Okay. Do you remember the first time you used a computer? Uh, the first time I used it, what do you, uh, just a computer? Yeah, just like, well, just like maybe a, a high school PC, yeah? No, not a, no. this was pre-PC. We had computer class in high school. Okay. And they were as primitive, I mean, this was 1981, 82, so they were pretty primitive mm-hmm. computers. There was no mouse or anything like that. It was like a Commodore, a Commodore 64. Not even, it was even, you know, even more, more primitive, primitive than that. Yeah. Wow. Well, this was like 81, you know, 82. I don't know when, mm-hmm. when did the Commodore come out? Oh boy! Probably, I mean, around there, because they they all explode right in like eighty three. Because you get IBM shows up, mm-hmm. uh, Apple II shows up, Commodore sixty four has got to be in there somewhere. The first the first time I remember using a computer, you know, as we know it now, like with a mouse and everything, mm-hmm. um, was when um, I was editing Roy Leonard's Going Out Guide magazine and um that was the first time i remember this was like in the early 90s it was the first time i remember using like a like the kind of computer that we have now well now they're all over the, you know they're they're nuts but um yeah yeah it, you know the the younger generation has always like it, 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 there's always been computers with with uh mouses um around so like even you you've never had a computer without a without you know like a modern computer without a mouse no i think the first computer i ever touched was uh a compact oh yeah a compact computer Those yeah were really yeah popular although i do remember aol like the discs like needing to have yeah hours for aol to even go i had stacks of those things oh my god yeah you use them as serving plates you had enough of them no i had a bunch of them i had a bunch of those discs Get them in the mail all the time. Mm-hmm. A thousand free hours of AOL, yeah. America Online. Just type in keyword blah, yeah. you know, whatever. And I still have an AOL account. It's 2020. Still have it an is AOL account. 2020. Still have an AOL account. That's my main. That's my main email. Is through AOL. Do you still get the sound? The you've got mail. Yeah, that I do miss. Um. Yeah, I'm. I'm. That that's the screen that I have up right now is my AOL, my AOL mail. That's the screen I have up. This folder is empty. <laughs> um, how about Ask Jeeves? Isn't that still around? But it's just Ask. Yeah, just Ask.com. I think getting rid of Jeeves was a mistake. Oh, I thought the graphic was great. I love Jeeves. Yeah, just click on him. The 90s, when we were all going to doing the Macarena, trying to keep our Tamagotchis alive, and most incredibly using multiple search engines. Shout out to Lycos, Alta, Alta Vista, Yahoo, and everyone's favorite knowledgeable cartoon butler, Jeeves. Uh, but despite leading the search engine race for a period in the late 90s by being the first to understand natural language queries, Ask Jeeves 
or any of the others could not compete with Google, who won the race with its superior technology, user experience, and advertising model. Google now holds an 89.1% market share, according to Statista.com. Ask.com is still there, rebranded now as a question-and-answer site, quote-unquote, as opposed to a search engine, although we're not really sure what the difference is. A question and answer site. Let's see. I've not been. I've not been to Ask. dot com in, in a very, very long time. Because I mean, you know, and Google obviously has also become a verb. Because that's what you do. Hey, let's do a search online. No, let's Google it. Is what people say. It's amazing how huge Google got. It really is. So what's going on with Ask? So you know how uh, when you go into a search engine, um, it gives you suggestions. Yeah, you know for the most commonly thi- most common things to follow anything. So I decided to Google you. Me? Yeah. So I, well, ask. I decided to ask. I didn't oh. go on Google. Decided to go on Ask. dot com. So on Ask. dot com, if you type in Nick DeGilio, <laughs> the most common thing to follow your name is divorce. <laughs> which does that mean most people who are looking you up on ask.com just want to know your marital status i don't know that's so weird and just that it's either you type in nick digilio it just says nick digilio divorce and then just nick digilio <laughs> someone that's someone's curious that's weird man that is weird i gotta say it's not like I've been divorced 95. I mean, I've been divorced twice. Not like I'm Zsa Zsa Gabor. You know? But that is odd that that would be the first thing to pop up. On Jeeves. People asking Jeeves or asking Ask about my divorce. Uh, plural, I should say. That's weird that that uh, that pops up. I never search myself on the intranets. All right, how about the Sega Dreamcast? In 1999, everything looked so promising after for the Sega Dreamcast. It was the first video console to offer online gameplay and interactive memory cards. It also had the biggest media launch to date. By 2001, sales had been discontinued and Sega was only to produce software from then on. The Dreamcast suffered terribly from piracy as PC users were at the same time learning how to burn their own CDs. The Dreamcast didn't have any restrictions for ripping CDR discs, which were then sold illegally and much cheaper and put online. The final nail in the coffin for Sega was Sony announcing the release of the PlayStation 2. It was uh, to have broadband online connectivity. The Dreamcast could only offer dial-up. It was much faster with more memory and offered playback. While the Dreamcast sold 10 million units over two years, the PlayStation 2 sold 155 million units. And it was a it was 12 years before it was discontinued. Wow. So the PlayStation 2, that was the, the that was the the big revolutionary game uh at that time, yeah. Game device? Yep, yep, yep. What uh, kind of game thing do you have? What do I um Got an Xbox. You got an Xbox. Yeah, I mostly use it just to watch movies, though. Saves me having to have also a DVD player. Well, yeah. 
Two and one, baby. Yeah, the good old uh, Xbox. I don't. Have, I have no gaming. I've had a, the last game system I had was Pong in the seventies. When you got your little Galaga in there, I do. I have a little, little Galaga machine that Roger Badish gave me. <laughs> so if you ever get, need your Galaga fix, step yeah. up your game. Yeah, there you go. I got. A, I got a little portable Galaga game that I can play. Okay, we got more uh, failed inventions that were ahead of their time to talk about, and we're also going to talk about some uh, stupid legal defenses. And if you want to jump in at any time, it's 312-981-7200, 312-981-7200. That's the number, and we would love to hear from you right here on 720 WGN. Jump back into the uh, failed inventions that were ahead of their time right after the news. Hello, it's Nick DeGilio on 720 WGN. We're live in the Skyline Studio, 18 stories above beautiful downtown Chicago. We're here till 4 o'clock as we are every weekday morning from 11 p.m. to 4 a.m. 4 o'clock, we head over to Bradley Place, the TV side of WGN, get some news and information from that great group. And then back here for the legendary Bob Surratt. Uh, He starts at 5. And um, we're here 24-7 for you. And uh, so... uh, and it's the WGN, 24-7 for you. So, Coming up at uh, 3.30, it's time for Know Your Onion. It's a Wednesday morning, and uh, we will take the first two callers, and they will be our contestants, and Tom will throw out some news headlines at you, and you have to decide whether they're real or whether they are from uh, the satirical newspaper, The Onion. So that's all coming up. 312-981-7200 is the phone number. Going back to talking about some uh, inventions that were ahead of their time, but failed when they were first released. How about the Microsoft Spot Watch? The Microsoft Spot Watch. Um, it was uh, deja vu for Bill Gates after Microsoft launched the Spot Watch. The Spot, by the way, is all capital, uh, S-P-O-T, caps. It was in 2004, the watch used FM waves to receive... MSN messages, news, sports scores, and weather updates, but it didn't even need connecting to a primary device. But again, the design was unattractive, and the price tag was high, even for the novelty value of your first wearable tech. Cellular broadband data was also now appearing, bringing in with it real mobile smart devices, which meant that the spot was soon forgotten, only to see the Apple Watch have roaring success with a similar product years later. Would you ever get an Apple Watch? I've honestly thought about it. Really? I have thought about it. They seem super cool, but my mom has one. And for having, when when she was married to my dad, he worked in IT. You know, he worked for Motorola. He worked for all these different big tech companies. Yeah. And he was really up on the latest tech. He was a wizard with it. My mom barely knows how to turn on the television. Yeah. Barely. So she's got this Apple Watch, and she thinks she's in Get Smart. Like, you know, you can talk into it, but she just looks like such an idiot trying to talk to us (laughs) into her watch. And 
I can tell when she's doing it because she'll like walk around and just talk. I'm like, no, you have to, you have to hold it close to your face. Otherwise I can't hear it. Yeah. I'm like, just get on your phone. Well, how do I do that? I don't remember. It's like, it's just connected. Like it just, just pick up your phone and it'll, it'll basically take the call to your phone. So I've seen her like try to talk to people, have full conversations. First, she'll put the, the watch up to her mouth and then hold it up to her ear, <laughs> trying to listen to what they're saying. Just just go to your phone. The watch, just be a watch. And, you know, it's nice. It's got a pedometer. It'll tell you your heart rate and stuff. Yeah. It tells you interesting things. But, um, you know, you, you can actually watch movies on that thing. Yeah. You know that. Like, mm-hmm. imagine that. I used to be a big watch guy. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Like nice, really nice watches or kind of weird watches? All of, every kind. Every kind of watch. Yeah. I Why? used to be a big watch guy. Why? What about it? I don't know. I used to like them. Just big, just really big into watches. Yeah. No, I was really, I was really big into watches. Did you ever have the Casio like calculator watch? No. Never went for the calculator never watch. Never did. No. Never, I never had a swatch either. I don't like swatches. Yeah, I never had one of those. But not, I, I had a lot. Of, I had a bunch of different. I had a bunch of different watches. I don't wear a watch now. Yeah, it's kind of moot point. Yeah, but I used to. I wore a watch all the time. Uh, what was the watch that you owned that you liked the most? Was there one that really that was like your everyday? I'm going to wear this watch from. Yeah, I mean it was it was kind of a just a regular you know plain looking watch with a white face, mm-hmm. you know, uh, black numbers and 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 hands. I I watched uh, I watched that uh, glows in the dark. Nice. Uh, so you can you know see what time it is in the movie theater <laughs> by annoying everyone. Oh boy. Did you have to? Was it a button that would make it glow in the dark? Yeah, it would just activate the. No, it's yeah. a little light. You, you, oh, okay. Hold on, I have. To, it's the middle of Silence of the Lambs. I have to know exactly what time it is. Yeah. Or it's the middle of Silence of the Lambs, and I have to know to leave. <laughs> yeah, but no, I, I, um, yeah, I haven't, I, I haven't worn a watch in years. But man, there was a period of time where I wore, I wore, I wore a watch every day, everywhere I went. And I would swap them out every once in a while because I had like five or six of them. I just, they feel weird to me now. It feels weird to have a watch on my wrist. Even though I like, I like watches. I like the style that goes into them. Some people still really big into watches. My dad wears a watch. Yeah. Yeah. I think my mom wears one too. I think they both wear watches. I think once you're of a certain, if you're of a certain generation, you just never, you just never took it off. You can't, you can't go somewhere without having a watch on because that's how you tell time. Yeah. I mean, now all you got to do is just look at your phone. You know? Or strap your phone to your wrist if you want to have the <laughs> the feel of wearing a watch. Just strap your phone to your wrist. <laughs> all right. Uh, let's take a uh, break. We got a few more failed inventions that were way ahead of their time. And we're going to do a round of uh, Know Your Onion as well. So 312-981-7200. I was a little too tall, could have used a few pounds. Tight pants, points, hauling it down. She was a black-haired beauty with big dark eyes And points all her own, sudden way up high 
right. Nick DeGilio on 720 WGN. We're live in the Skyline studio. We're here until 4 o'clock. Um, and uh, coming up at 3.30, uh, another round of Know Your Onion. That's where um, we get two contestants, uh, the first two through at 312-981-7200. That's the Team Hochberg phone line. Uh, and if you can uh, figure out whether the news headlines that Tom is reading are real or from uh, the uh, Onion, you win. And who doesn't want to win? Win, win. So that's coming up in just a few minutes, 3.30. We're talking about uh, inventions that were ahead of their time, but they did fail at the time. Some of these are really pretty fascinating and way ahead of their time. Like a, you know, like a, 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 like a basically a video, a video phone, or not a phone, but a video communicator uh, that was debuted in 1964. But what about this? Let's buy it.com. In 1999, Let's Buy It was the number one name in volume discount retailing, bringing customers together to secure better prices for goods by purchasing at the same time. A brand new idea at the time in e-tailing. Uh, they ran famous adverts with ants demonstrating the power of a group. But within a couple of years, the company the company was in serious financial trouble. Nowadays, Groupon leads the way with a very similar business model. Where Let's Buy It failed, their success can be attributed to the rise of social media uh, the sharing that comes with it, and their focus on local service-based sales as opposed to consumer products. I I do not remember letsbuyit.com at all. This was in 1999. It was a number one volume discount retailer. Um, I don't remember it at all. Do you remember letsbuyit.com? Let's buy it. No, I mean... I, it. I mean, you would have been a little kid because it was in yeah. 1999. But I, I still remember what eBay, like I knew eBay was a thing. I was like, oh, this is a place where you buy things. Yeah. Let's I, buy it. Let's buy it.com. It was a number one in volume discount retailing. Wow. And I have no memory of it at all. Yeah. Those early, those early days of the internet, like 95 to 2000 is kind of a blur. Yeah. It's kind of a blur for a lot of people because companies just... Came up, and then, boom, bubble burst. How about the Apple Newton message pad? Apple Newton message pad. Um, It must be a relief for Bill Gates to see an Apple product feature on this list. (laughs) Um, Apple's pocket-sized handheld personal digital assistant, the PDA, Launched in 1993 and was able to take notes, store contacts, and manage calendars. The device was an epic failure, largely uh, down to being launched around a time when the company was in so much turmoil. Steve Jobs was about to reclaim his position as CEO, and the company had way too many projects uh, on the go, leading them to rush this product out, forgetting about what was the most important thing, the consumer. We were just way ahead of the technology. We barely got it functioning by 93, but we started shipping it, said Steve Caps. The Newton message pad led the way for taking the computer out of the office and for Palm Pilot, Palm Pilot 
to uh, later have more success with their handheld PDA, which focused on the user. It was also the first time we'd seen technology that could take a sentence like dinner with Anna tomorrow and turn it into a calendar item the way we do today with Siri. Uh huh. Now you said your dad was a was a tech a, te- a big techie, right? Yeah, for better and for much worse at times. Would he had, would he had one of these things? Oh, he did have one of oh, these he did. things. Um, it was just it was just odd. It was just odd. He would always try to get me to be really excited, and I love gadgets. I love that sort of stuff. But there's just some of them I just I didn't really get. I just didn't understand it. Yeah. Why? Why would anybody need this sort of thing? But he he knew, he knew what was eventually going to be big. It's just that sometimes he backed the wrong form. He backed Betamax. <laughs> he made he made that grave error. He thought Betamax yeah. was going to be the way well, of the future. The quality was better. It was. It was better. Betamax was be- better looking, right? Than VHS. Um, he backed HD DVD instead of Blu-ray. Uh-huh. Which is why I have somewhere in storage uh, a copy of The Born Identity on HD DVD. Can't there's nothing to watch it on. There you can't get that play. I mean, you probably could on eBay mm-hmm. or Let's Buy It dot Let's Buy It dot com. <laughs> That's yeah. still around. But uh, yeah, he had a tendency to sometimes back the wrong horse. Well, you know, um, my friend, you know, my friend Scott Oaken. Um, his dad worked for Zenith. Oh. And uh, so they would get, you know, all the cutting edge stuff. They would, you know, they he could bring it home and they'd test it out and stuff like that. So, of course, every television-related or VCR-related item in their house was Zenith, of course. And um, they had both VHS and Beta. And we would watch stuff on beta at Scott's house, and it was it looked so much better than VHS. But people liked VHS more for some reason. And, uh, yeah, it's weird, too, because don't, don't people have a tendency to like stuff that's smaller? You know, because the beta tapes were smaller than the yeah. VHS, VHS, VHS tapes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you can make it more compact, that's generally better. Yeah. But now it's weird because phones were, like, take cell phones, for example. They were getting smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. Like Will Ferrell's phone yeah. in, the, <laughs> in, that, in, the, in the sketch with uh, Sean, uh, Sean Hayes. <laughs> Pack your bags. We're going to Milan. <laughs> but now I got I- a half-eaten taco in my torset ale. <laughs> what kind? What kind of jean jacket was he wearing? It was like Looney Tunes. Yeah, there's a Looney Tunes. A jacket. Looney Tunes jean jacket. Yeah. Oh my god, that sketch is hilarious. That is yeah. a, that is a that is a an absolutely hilarious sketch. And Sean when they Hayes, lose yeah. it, when he comes out, when Will Ferrell the comes scooter. out with the scooter. <laughs> yeah, Sean. It's Sean Hayes, Jimmy Fallon, uh, Horatio Sands. There's a one of the one of the gals is in it. I can't remember. I want, oh, Molly I, Shannon. It was Molly Shannon, yeah. Molly Shannon's in there. And then Will Ferrell. Will Ferrell's entrance is just a, you know. Fashion icon with a bowl cut and the world's smallest cell phone. Yeah. <laughs> Hello. And he's holding his little tiny, tiny cell phone. <laughs> but yeah, now phones are getting bigger. Yeah, my, my phone's huge. But that's because I have big bear hands. 
I got a pretty good sized phone. Yeah, yeah th- look at that bad boy. Yeah, it's a G7 Thin Q. Ooh, from uh, LG. Does it have the facial recognition? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, some people they could just open no, their. Phone I got with the their I got the phone the the th- the thumbprint thing. You got though. the thumbprint thing. Yeah, yeah, you got the thumbprint thing. So now you can they just open that it takes a look at you and say, just open. Uh, yeah, yeah, which freaks me out. It's a little weird. I got to say, it is a little weird. I even feel weird about the thumbprint thing, honestly. Yeah. Um, okay, and then finally, here is another uh, invention that was ahead of its time. Twitter peak. Oh, God. I don't remember this. This is the this is the dumbest thing. In a world where everyone does everything on their smartphones, the limited functionality of uh, the Twitter peak seems ridiculous. And indeed, in 2009, when the bright turquoise... BlackBerry-shaped device launched, it se- it still seemed fairly ridiculous. The idea was that it would bring uh, joy the joy of tweeting on the go to those without a smartphone and to help newbies finally get Twitter. But Twitter was literally all it did. No emails, internet browser, or phone calls. It didn't even do Twitter very well. The $100 gadget only supported a single Twitter account. However, the single-use purpose... That was shunned is now starting to have a real impact on our lives with the uh, Internet of Things, where our everyday devices are connected to the Internet and uh, to, and send to and receive data. Twitter peak. I don't remember that. Yeah, it was a very ill-fated device. It was literally just a, a device that went on Twitter. And that was it. That was all it did. It was just a single-use device, which is just... Even back when it was debuting, like, you know, they were going to have a Facebook one. They were going to have a device that just went on Facebook. Who needs that? Yeah. No living human alive needs anything like that. So the Twitter, I don't remember that either. I'm not a big techie guy, though. I don't follow. No, you don't. Do I don't follow that. a lot of the tech stuff that's happening. Like, I'm not, it's not like cutting edge stuff for me. Like I said, I got a, for my first cell phone in 2007. It's like you, you and Elton Jim, <laughs> and the first smartphone, two thousand thirteen. Oh boy! So I'm not real good with the tech stuff. No, no. I did have an iMac. It was pink, weren't it? It was a pink iMac. Um, didn't Jeff Goldblum used to do Apple commercials? Or have I have I lost my mind? He may have done them at one point. Um, whenever I think of Apple commercials, though, I think of Justin Long. Oh, right. And uh, John Hodgman. Mac, I'm oh, a Mac right, guy and I'm a right, PC guy. Right, 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 Yeah. Oh, those were good commercials. I felt bad for the PC guy. I really did. I genuinely did. For Hodgman? Yeah. <laughs> you know, we can't all be as cool as Justin Long. You know, we can't be all the cool guy. Yeah. Wearing um, jeans everywhere. Uh, I love John Hodgman. Very funny man. He is hilarious. I've had him. I've, I've had him on the show three, four times. Really? Oh yeah. No, he's hilarious. Yeah. His books are hysterical and loaded with jokes. Like you, you can, mm-hmm. he writes on the spine of the book, and the, it's it's just absolute insanity. And he's a great guest. I saw oh, him. Yeah. I saw him uh, at Second City. Yeah, and I know he's done like the Humanities Festival before, yeah. which he's perfect for. Yeah. No, he's hilarious. He's he's absolutely hilarious. Sometimes I feel that I'm not smart enough to get him, though. 
sometimes. Yeah, he's, I he's can He's a very high minded guy. Yeah, no, no, no. He's but he's yeah. so genuine. Yeah, but he's yeah, he's really, really funny. Really, really funny. Um, okay. So uh, it's time for uh, to know your onion. So phone lines are open. First two people in will be our contestants. Call right now, 312-981-7200. You want to play Know Your Onion? You just have to figure out whether these news uh, headlines are real or from The Onion, and you win. You win prizes. I'm really kind of shy But I get this feeling Whenever you walk by I don't want to doubt you right. I want to make you high Nick DeGilio on 720 WGN. We are live in the Skyline studio here until 4 o'clock. At 4 o'clock we head over to Bradley Place on the TV side of WGN, get some great news and information from them. And then uh, back here with the great Bob Surratt for your morning drive, 5 o'clock. 312-981-7200 is the phone number. We're going to get back to a couple more topics here, but uh, it is Wednesday morning. It's after 3.30, and that always means that we're going to play a round of Know Your Onion. And this is uh, Tom is your host. We've got our two contestants already on hold, ready to go. They'll each play a round. And uh, Tom will read a news headline, and you have to just figure out whether it is real or from the satirical comedy news uh, paper, The Onion. Are we ready to start? It's time to know your onion. Uh, the finest band in late night. <laughs> All right. Uh, we know the rules, correct? So let's get our first contestant in. This is Tony on WGN. Hi, Tony. Hey, good morning, Nick. Good morning. You familiar with The Onion? Yes, sir. Nick, I remember the Roy Leonard interview with that kid, Anthony. That yeah. was really, Roy really got pissed off at him. Yes, he did. He cut the interview short. Roy uh, Roy never usually did that, but he was... He, was... he never did that again, boy. Yep. <laughs> All right. Let's uh, let's go, Tony. You ready, uh, you ready Tom? Nick, I'm ready. All right, let's do this. What? We're changing it up. <laughs> Benny Hill? Yeah. Why not? <laughs> All right, Tony. Your first headline. Uber acquires Postmates for $2.7 billion plus $3 billion service fee. Is that real or is that the onion? What, what did they acquire? All right, I'll give it to you one more time. Uber... Uber acquires Postmates for two point seven oh, yeah. billion dollars plus three billion dollars service fee. Is that real or is that I the end? I think it's real. Well, let's see. Oh, That's Ooh. the onion. That's okay. the onion. All That's right. Okay. All right. Let's go to the next one. All right. Next one. New Crest toothpaste sweepstakes offers chance to win ten million teeth. Is that real or is that the onion? Sounds like the onion to me. Well, let's see. Excellent! <laughs> what did you do with 10 million teeth? Uh, I have no idea. Give them to Donny Osmond. There you go. All right. All right. Tony, your next headline. Will Smith reveals extramarital relationship with younger Gemini Man co-star. Is that real or is that the onion? 
Gemini Man. Yeah, uh, the uh, the film. Oh, 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 yeah. I think I think Will did do that. Yeah, him and Jada had a little tussle there. Yeah. So you think, think it's, it's real? real. Well, let's yes, see. No, God! No, God! Please, no! 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 No. <laughs> that's that. That's yeah. uh, Nick. Would you like to explain? Well, the oh, the, the the onion. He he'd he have an affair with himself yeah. essentially, <laughs> because the Gemini Man was about him. He was, you know, his. It was him and a younger version of him. Oh boy! Yeah. Okay, yeah, you right. got it. You, you 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 can't get this next one wrong, Tony, because you'll lose. I know. I know. All right. All right, Tony. Your next headline: hey. Amazon okay. tells staff hand washing time won't be held against them. Is that real or is that the Onion? It's real. Let's see. Very good, Tony. Oh, way to go, Tony. Very good. All right. All right, one more, huh? This is the last one. If you get this right, you win. Okay, Nick. All right, your next headline, Tony. KitchenAid unveils new lobster sedation kit to reduce cruelty of boiling them alive. Oh, God. Is that real or the Onion? Uh, let's go real. Let's see. Oh, that is oh, the onion. Tony. 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 I'm All right. sorry, Nick. Everybody, well, you get, a, you get a prize anyway. You're going to get a $25 gift certificate to Mykonos Greek Restaurant. Family owned and operated for 40 years in Niles. Enjoy the best Greek food in the north suburbs for carryout or delivery or outdoor patio dining. Order at GreekRestaurants.com, or you can call 847-296-6777. Tony, hold the line, okay? Okay, Nick. Right. Good show, Hold Nick. the line, like Toto. All right. Um, you ready for our second contestant? Yes. All right. Here's Melissa on WGN. Hi, Melissa. Hi, you guys. Hi. I hope these questions are as easy as the last five. Oh, wow. Ooh. <laughs> Throwing down the gauntlet. <laughs> so you are familiar with the onion, then? I have, I have heard of that op- operation, yes. Okay. All right. <laughs> Tom, let's go. <laughs> All right. Melissa, your first headline. Competitive hot dog eaters nearing limit of human performance. Is that real or is that the onion? <laughs> oh, human performance. Let's see. That's got to be the onion. Well, let's see. No. It's real. It's real. That's from the Guardian. How do they know? How do they know what human performance is? <laughs> Come on. Uh, let me give you a little details here. Uh, the four-minute mile and the two-hour marathon were once believed impossible. Now a gauntlet has been thrown down in the world of elite competition. A scientific analysis suggests competitive eaters have come within nine hot dogs of the limits of human performance. <laughs> The theoretical uh, ceiling has been set at 84 hot dogs in 10 minutes. The current world record set by Joey Jaws Chestnut earlier this month stands at 75. James Smolia, uh, a sports medicine scientist at High Point University who authored the research, described 84 hot dogs as the maximum possible limit for a Usain Bolt-type performance. Come on, man. <laughs> All right. Oh my God. Okay. So I don't know. Okay. We'll first, first one. We'll first see. one you got wrong, Melissa. Let's do. Let's, yeah. let's, let's do better. Here we go. All right, we Melissa. Your next headline: Jerry Jones changes team's name to the Redskins now that it's available. Uh, false. <laughs> onion. All right. Let's see. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's oh, that's boy. pretty funny. That that's is pretty the funny. limit of human performance. That yeah. statement. Uh, right there. All right. You got one right, Melissa. All Thank right. You. Your next headline, Dodgers. The L.A. Dodgers offer fans opportunity to purchase cardboard cutout for display during the 2020 season. Is that Absolutely real? Absolutely true. Absolutely Ooh. true. Let's see. Very good. That is yeah. true. Tons of teams are doing that. Did you see? Did you see that uh, Japanese uh, in Japan? They started playing. They started playing baseball again. Yeah, and they put robots in the seats. <laughs> <laughs> they would stand up. They were like white robots, and they would they would put their hands up when they got a home run. And yay! Yeah, uh, you want to know how much this is going to cost you at Dodger Stadium? Uh, cutouts located at the field level or lodge level are expected to be priced at one hundred and fifty dollars. Jeez. <laughs> While locations at the Dugout Club or the new Pavilion Home Run Seats are slated to be priced at $299. Well, I've been to Dodger Stadium, and um, it's one of the most expensive trips that you'll ever have to a baseball game. And in New York, and, and well, yeah, also Yankee Stadium, too. They're, they're both this like, is now the most expensive trip you'll never have to a baseball game. That yeah, is true. very true. Oh, All right. Man. <laughs> Melissa's got two right, right? That's two right. Okay, one more right, and you're a winner, Melissa. Excellent. All right, Melissa, it comes down to this. New York adds no deaf child in area signs, so drivers know when they can be as reckless as possible. (laughs) Is that real or the onion? An onion. Excellent! (laughs) (laughs) You 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 were telling me not to laugh. I'm sorry. I know. I know. To give it away. (laughs) It breaks me But it's hilarious. I mean, that is hilarious. That's a gimme. Melissa, nice job. Well, thank you. You got yourself a a $75 gift certificate to Green Tea Home Services. No kidding. Yeah, while you're spending so much uh, time at home, take advantage of Green Tea Carpet Cleaning Service or Air Duct Purification or Garage Door Maintenance. You can call 805-GREEN-TEA or you can go to greenteaservices.com. Congratulations, Melissa. Thank you, guys. Okay. Have a nice night. Hold the line. Hold the line, okay, (laughs) Melissa? Hold on. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right, there you go. Everyone's a winner. Nick DeGilio here on 720 WGN, live in the Skyline studio here till 4 o'clock. At 4 o'clock, we head over to the TV side of uh, WGN and get some uh, news and information from them. And then, of course, Bob Surratt at 5 for your morning drive. 312-981-7200 is the phone number. Um, And uh, we're going to talk about uh, parking tickets and uh, tickets. Tom, did, did, did you ever get a stupid ticket? Um... I got towed once. I was, I was, it wasn't stupid, uh, but I was really bummed about it. I had never been towed before. First time ever getting towed. It was the year of the Pride Parade. Mm-hmm. Um, and did you park on the route? I, I thought I didn't. I swear there were no, it was not on the route, but you know, it starts right there, r- literally right around the corner from my house at uh, Broadway. Yeah. Uh, right by that Target. And, um, I was parked on an art like a side street, and I genuinely thought 
hey, oh, this is cool. I don't see any signs up saying I can't park here. It's not on the main, it's not on Broadway or anything like that. There's, oh, there's no way I'm going to get towed. And they ended up towing everyone on that street because it was like, oh, it was a prep area. And I was like, I swear, I swear there was no sign saying that that was going to be used for anything. But what, you know, what can I I got? I got, I, I, I I was only towed once. And it was, you know, the, you know, um, uh, December first, when they put that, you can't drive, you can't park on this street. Um, even if there's no snow, it always happens on December first. So, like at midnight on December first, people always forget about it, and you know, there's that you can't park on this street. You know, during the during the winter months. Um, even if there's no snow, and it starts at midnight. And uh, I was bartending at Simon's, and uh, I got out, and I had parked on Foster, and when I got out, uh, the car was gone. And um, because I had parked, it was that, this, that that where everybody gets everybody gets towed on that morning. We got we have to just always remember if I'm if I'm ever on the air, you know, uh, on that that night leading into December first. I always warn people move your car, and the place was you know the, when I got towed the place was packed. Lincoln towing, which is a which is the worst. Those oh, oh. one of the least one of the least liked play uh, absolutely in this in this city absolutely. And I, I mean I get it, tow guys they do their job. It's not them. Yeah, it's they're they're just doing what they're supposed to do. It's Steve. You know. Steve Goodman wrote wrote a song about the the Lincoln towing. You're kidding me? No. Wow, I gotta yeah. t- I gotta find that. Yeah, because one it's I love like Steve Goodman. It's a great song, and it's Lincoln really Tone. funny. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see. Here's a Terry on WGN. Hi, Terry. Hey, Nick. How are you? What's up? Hey, I have one particular parking ticket story, but back in the early 80s, I was working at a restaurant on Michigan Avenue, like 500 North Michigan, and I was in my early 20s, and I was uh, parking in front of the restaurant on a regular basis, probably three or four times a day. Long story short, over the course of probably two or three years back in the mid-80s, I accrued probably $4,000 in parking tickets. But because the city of Chicago was not automated at the time, I forget who what, who was the mayor at the time. It might have been Daly, I believe, um, decided that they were going to give amnesty to anybody who had a parking ticket yep. before, I believe, 1990-something. So effectively, and I moved out of my parents' house at the time, which is where my car was registered, and my mother would call me in a panic saying, I opened up these letters, and you owe you know $3,000 to the city of Chicago, and they miraculously wiped out all of them. So I am eternally grateful to whoever decided to do that. Yeah. It, it was just a miracle from the gods, but um, four thousand dollars in parking tickets? Yeah, that's stupidity. Yeah, it is. <laughs> All right, Terry. Thanks. Thanks, Nick. I remember that amnesty period. They were also, you know, like if you had if you had a lot of parking tickets, they also offered half off. And uh, really? yeah, hmm. if you if you went down and pay if you went if you paid, they you went down to city hall or wherever. I can't remember to the DMV. Sure. Um, they offered half off, so I had a lot of I had a lot of parking tickets on my fantastic Ford Escort.
<laughs> and um, so I went down to I went downtown and I paid him. And then uh, a couple of months later, um, speeding through I've told you this story before. I'm speeding through Harvard Heights um, to get to the Norwich Theater with my my new girlfriend, and we're going to see Man's Best Friend about the robot killer dog with Lance Hendrickson and Ali Sheedy, if I'm not mistaken, is in it too. So we're speeding. I get pulled over, and I was I was speeding. And um, when the cop came up, he you know he took my license and everything, and he went back to the car, and he came back and he said, uh, "Get out! Put your hands behind your back. There's a warrant for your arrest." And I was like, "What?" I couldn't believe it. This was like a first date with this girl. So the girl on the passenger side is like, who, who, who am I out on a date with? So, um, so I, I ended up, I ended up getting arrested. And when they finally found out what it was, uh, it was a clerical error and there was still one ticket that was not paid for. And that's why I got arrested. One ticket. So, wow. Yeah. I went down, paid off all the tickets. And then a clear, it's not, it's not even like you didn't try to pay off just one. Yeah. And I went, I went down and I went and that whole day, I think cost me with bail everything because I had to, (laughs) I had to be bailed out of jail. I know. I know. It's just, (laughs) well, I spent, uh, I was living with Scott Oaken. I had to, he had to loan me money. Oh, geez. You know? And, uh, and so I had to go till I get to, till I could go to like an ATM and pay him. That's wild. And uh, the whole day, because I went back downtown to get my license back, you know, renewed and to pay off the tickets and the fines. And that whole day cost me like $600 or something. It was ridiculous. Um, here's Tony on WGN. Hey, Tony. Hey, I got a parking ticket uh, just last week on the 4th of July in Denver. I was out visiting my son. Yeah. I parked there the one day that they sweep the streets. I didn't see the sign. It was behind a tree. Yeah. And they actually gave me a warning, which has to be the only time my Illinois license plate saved me money. Oh. <laughs> I think they just had because I was out of town, I'm guessing. Right, right, but right. all the other cars had, had tickets on them. Yeah, I got a warning. That's so that's great. Sorry for me. That's pretty cool. Yeah. That's a good story. It All was right. the one day. Yeah, you know, the one day we got there is when it happens. That's All great. Right. Okay, Tony. Thanks, man. Yeah, I had a lot of parking Rough. tickets. Rough. I had a lot of parking tickets. It's ridiculous. And that's the only time you've ever been arrested. Yeah. Oh, just, just checking. Just checking. Yeah, it's the only time I've ever been arrested. Well, I, I've never been arrested, so. Didn't they? Talk- didn't they? Weren't they talking about this on uh, on on the, on the show a few months ago in the oh, morning? That's right. Yeah. About who who's, who, who would have been most arrested? likely be arrested? And, and they, Mary and Mary Vandevelt yeah. said it's got to be Nick. <laughs> and yes, I have been arrested. That's that's what I was arrested for. Uh, nothing too dangerous, of course. No, no, it was ridiculous. It was a clerical. It wasn't even my fault. I mean, I was speeding, so I, I deserve I, yeah. I deserve the ticket. I was flying because I wanted to see the. I want to see, you the, want to see man's, best, man's friend. best friend. Stupid. That's a stupid reason to get a ticket, and then stupid reason to get arrested. Forget the clerical error. <laughs> this man's speeding to go see man's best friend, a, starring Ali Sheedy. Yeah, but Lance Hendrickson's in it. Yeah, is he the dog? No, it's a <laughs> robot killer dog. So oh God. So they they gave a parking ticket to a bus that was at a bus stop. How does that happen? Stupidity. 
sheer blinding stupidity. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, the driver was out all day. He takes the brakes on the road. He went across the road, the layover, to grab a sandwich and a drink. Six minutes later, a traffic warden slapped a fine on the bus. That's how it worked. He went, <laughs> he went out to get something to eat, came back, <laughs> slapped a fine on a bus that was in a bus stop. Uh, ridiculous. Okay. Hey, coming up on the uh, show when we come back uh, to the show uh, uh, tonight, starting at 11 o'clock and tomorrow morning, Kevin Powell is going to join us from WGN Sports, getting excited for the baseball season to start up again, and hockey's going to start up again. And then Jeff Wamsley from the Mothman Museum. Ooh, scary. Uh, is going to join us. Okay. <laughs> 